you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. When you're constantly on the move, it's not just pits that break a sweat. From your armpits to your thighs and everywhere in between, new whole body deodorant cream and sticks from Shea Moisture are your secret weapon to staying fresh and confident all day long. Made from melanin-rich skin and packed with plant-based goodness, embrace a new era of freshness with whole body and stick deodorants from Shea Moisture. Find them at your nearest Walmart and walmart.com. And when you do, your whole body's covered. This week's episode of The Friend Zone is brought to you by Bevel. A great Christmas gift will be a Bevel razor for any man or woman or anything in between because Bevel is for everybody and everything. And an even better one is the full Bevel shaving system. Don't sell you or your fam short this holiday season. You know that Bevel is the only shaving system designed for the people, by the people, and with courage for coarse, curly hair, and sensitive skin black people. Get the full Bevel experience, especially post last Tuesday. And for all the friends on listeners out there, enjoy the first month of your Bevel subscription for free. Hallelujah. Free. Get Bevel. Go to getbevel.com slash friendzone and sign up today. We don't need to tell you anything else. It's already there and it's for free. What more do you want? If you don't get Bevel now after it's for free, then something is wrong with you and you deserve those razor bumps. Go to getbevel.com today slash friendzone and get your first month of Bevel for free. Who, true blood, who, true blood. Today's episode of The Friend Zone is brought to you by Thinks. Thinks is period-proof underwear that replaces tampons, pads, and cups on light days and is the perfect backup to tampons and cups on heavy days. And yes, they work. True blood, true blood. Thanks is built-in tech, wicks moisture, fights bacteria, and stops leaks in their tracks. You can wear them all day. They're totally reusable and super liberating. Curious? We know you are. We get, know you are. Get, we know you are. Get five dollars off your order with the code FRIENDZONE at checkout when you shop at SheThinks.com. That's S H E T I. It'd be nice if I could spell. That's S H E T H I N X dot com. Code FRIENDZONE to save five dollars off your order. I heard they work. Tell me if they do. Dracula pennies. <laughs> Welcome to the friends. Every time I'm in the zone. My name is Dustin. I'm Francesco, also known as Hey Friend Hey. My name is Asante. This is the friend zone. Alright, y'all, here we go. Freestyle time 2016. On the way out. Y'all ready? Bars. 
beans, greens, tomatoes, potatoes, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. I fuck with Mexicans, my niggas is tomatoes. I like y'all niggas, y'all niggas is staying. That nigga named Trunk, he really be hating. He wanna build a wall and get rid of all of y'all. But I like y'all niggas, y'all fun, y'all like to ball. Mexicans is just like blacks, it's all good. They even really be staying right up in the hood. They make the best tacos everywhere that you go they got enchiladas take it down to the flow they fight they talk shit they act right the girls get with the niggas look nice i like what's going on i don't want them to go home because they're already at home don't get it right y'all niggas got it wrong fuck all of y'all who voted for trump the long way what you got to say asante Everybody, said, all of y'all that vote for Trump, this some bullshit, and I feel like I'm in a slump. Can't get out of the shit. Every time I wake up, I gotta deal with it. Stupid white people not believing us. Been shot in the streets, been hit by the bus. I mean, I can't get a break. Can't vote. I can't wake up feeling like another lame boat. Uh, little boat, little boat, no little yachty, cause he's so ignorant, like the Illuminati. Man, fuck out of here with that whack shit, cause the friends zone back at it. Come on, bitch. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. A little conscious rap, a little conscious snap, a little conscious trap. Word up. That's right. Uh... Welcome to the friend zone. Friend, how you doing, queen? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> This is the whole tip episode. No, I'm just playing. How, yeah. I would head we off on you. That's not why I did that. <laughs> Don't you you think I'm Mouse Jones? Like you think that I'm gonna just look at your head rapper and say, "Oh, you one of us." Shout out to Mouse Jones. Shout out to Mouse Jones. Been bothering me about nothing all week, so I have to bother him back because he's been getting jealous that I've been shouting out Ricketti that will be doing the first show at Pompette Wine Shop in the uh, on the 20th. That's this. Uh, this Sunday, November 20th, Lennox, Pompette Wine Shop, 420 Lennox Avenue. I swear I haven't had 420 before this. This all just happened at once. Fran, back at you. What you looking like over there? Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> I just want you to know. The same, the same. All right, so. So y'all ready to jump in? Because we have a lot to talk about today. We have a lot side, to talk side. about. Right, Dustin? Be- What's happening? Because the last episode did not end with Hillary like I wanted it to. In? Of course I'm going to do the thing. Welcome to the Friend Zone, your weekly dose and look into all things mental health, mental wellness, and mental hygiene. Because who in the hell wants a musty brain? Hmm. Not me. Not me. <laughs> is that good enough for you, friend? That was perfect. That Thank was you. Good. That was for the people. I do this for y'all. This is not about, you know, just me. I do this for y'all. We need to laugh and not have musty brains. Greedy motherfuckers <laughs> gotta vote for Trump and get him. Yeah, that's right. Trump and all that. <laughs> but before we do. No, not we... before we do. Right now, we're gonna jump into this. is some bullshit. <laughs> you got Trump in the motherfucking White House. I'm sorry. We're gonna go You're back to the triggering people. I'm triggered. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's go back. Let's go all back. right. So, on last week's episode, we had an amazing conversation about epigenetics. A lot of you had incredible information to share because a lot of you are scientists yourselves. And a lot of you had never heard of it, but still shared really important perspectives. And I am going to ask Asante what stood out to him. Well, I have a little email from Kai Love. Shout out to you. It starts off, peace, y'all. I love that. I love your show, but especially love this week's episode topic about epigenetics. As yes, friend, you did a fantastic job explaining it. 
I've said this for years. Slavery has permanently affected the epigenetics of black people. The ancestral trauma of slavery has has affected us, and it's the one it's one of the many reasons I believe our demographic remains in low status categorically across the social board. Relationally, educationally, socioeconomically, etc. Um, she went on to say a bunch of very interesting things and talk about the different genome codes and how sometimes people don't make the, <clears throat> the conscious decisions between those. And I also like that she said, I really appreciate the friend zone using your platform to introduce and challenge existing theories of health and wellness. Thank you for just being part of the thing, High Love. Yay. Because you really just understand and get that we're out here trying to start a lot of these conversations, you know, some of the information we just can't provide a lot of at the time. There's three of us on here. So the fact that you just had your interest there and you wanted to run with it and you were feeling the parts that we had is really dope. So that's what stood out to me. How about for you, Fran? Um, Sharice Isaac on SoundCloud said, Charisse. This topic was spot on, especially after the election. I always speak to my family about this regarding the black community. This started with prior generations feeling helpless and falling victim to what society says we should be. If you're telling people they're nothing, they're going to believe that. But we're passing that shit on. We have brothers and sisters fighting and trying to make a difference, but we also have brothers and sisters who genuinely believe they are nothing and this will never change. We need to break this cycle. Black people are not a scorn. We are deserving and have a right to be here and treated equally. I personally have fallen victim to feeling sorry for myself and not taking action or trying and just being mediocre. That should stop today. And I will force the world to look at me as a contender and encourage those around me to also rise to the occasion. Mm. So that made me super happy because obviously the whole point of discussing epigenetics is so that we could start seeing, especially that section about the books, the self-help books, Mm -hmm. and how people tend to be voyeurs to others' success while not so much paying attention to their own. I was hoping that even that would trigger, even if it triggered you, but I hope it triggered you in the right direction to make sure that that's not you because we are going to be the exceptional ones. So thank you for your comment, Sharice. What about you, Dustin? What would you find on these Twitter streets? <laughs> I ain't going to do it. <laughs> Everybody thought I was about to start singing like you did last week. There you go. In these streets. In these streets. in these streets. So, in the Twitter streets this week, I find a few good things, some serious, some funny, and you're going to get them all this week because you don't have a choice, starting with one of the serious ones. The first one comes from Cole Ledford. It's C-O-L-E-L-E-D-F-O-R-D-1-1, who tweeted, Today we mourn, tomorrow we plan, in 2018 we retake Congress, and in 2020 we make Donald Trump a one-term president. We're going to leave that right there. Um, I would also like to shout out... Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney. <laughs> Sir Paul McCartney. Yes, who tweeted oh that he God. loves those black Beatles and he did oh. the mannequin challenge to black Beatles by Ray Schremer, who have the number one song in the goddamn country. Okay. They know me. They know me. Okay. Took a bit. Then. Oh, anyway, so he did the mannequin challenge to them, and it's so dope. And I just thought it was so cool that a legend like Paul McCartney would show love to an upcoming artist like them. I think it's so great that they have the number one song in the country this week. So MAGA, that's how you make America great again, by giving the number one song in the country to black deserving artists. Great. Bravo. Um, I would also like to give a shout-out to at underscore I am Dom, which... 
I'm not even going to try to interpret, but no. the tweet says, <laughs> listened to Donnie McClurklin's Jesus Melody, and the choir started singing so good, I laughed myself to tears. Oh, no. no. <laughs> so no, I thought that was funny. Yes. I would also like to give a <laughs> shout out to... Uh, B Park, whose uh, Twitter handle is at PK Thunder, who said, look at Dustin, listen, you need to get going on a table book with a lot of your feelings on various subjects in yeah. society. So many gems. Thank you, because who knew who that I was knew? gonna become an author? New York Times bestseller list, get ready. Papa's coming. Take what's his. <laughs> Great <laughs> idea. And I'm gonna give you credit for concept. <laughs> um, I would also like to give a shout out to the one and only legendary Patty LaBelle for her new um Walmart commercial for her desserts. Yes. She has a new commercial this season um, about her Patty LaBelle pies, and she ends the commercial by saying the following. On the box, and that's all I have to say in these streets this week. I love that commercial. Patty, Let's go. Patty giving you a Kelly Mama from <laughs> back in the day. That's what she was giving in that commercial. So before we jump into this week's episode, we had to introduce some of our siblings mm-hmm. on this Ellison Network and our personal faves. Mm-hmm. Tatiana King Jones. Yeah. Yes. And, and DJ Ben Ami yeah. of the Fan Bros. Come on. Yeah. Shout out to the Fan Bros. Come what a cool us. fucking name for a show. Now, right? now, since y'all are here, y'all know what the name of this mashup is. Uh, fan Zone. The friend I'll, take, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. The, fr- the, friend, the friend bros. bros. Okay. Friend bros works better. I like that better. Okay. I don't okay. know how long. Now, Tatiana, when you int- now when y'all introduce yourself, y'all got to do it the way y'all do it on y'all shows. So I like how y'all do y'all AKA. Oh, no Ooh, me oh, too. It's so then. good. Okay, this is DJ Ben Hameen, AKA Hash Ketchum, AKA Arsenio <laughs> Holodeck, AKA <laughs> yes. the Anti Trife Equation, AKA <laughs> <laughs> Soldier Seventy Spliff. Fight. Here, oh, I'm not man. on the spaceship. I'm uh here in wait, was it friend zone? Yes, <laughs> See, I'm here in the zone. Place okay, every time it's he's in the zone now. Hash Tetram, you know that name hey, means the, a lot. That is a good one. Now that one, you instantly got a <laughs> yeah, favorite that's one from of my that. Favorites. Thank Ash you very Ketchum. much. And I'm Tatiana King Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura, the Spaceship, the Black Russian, the Black Rogue, Sean Jean Luc Picard, Deuce mm-hmm. Piccolo, Ooh. Mm-hmm. and what's my favorite though? What's the what's the new fave? Ivan, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> what what is the Ivan? Name? I don't know he dies, what any he of dies. this means. Instead of Ivan Drago, Ivan, yeah, Okay, okay. So for the, those listening that might not be familiar, go through some of your names because you know they <laughs> they probably sitting here like you have lost me. Um, well, Hash Ketchum should be you know that's a good Ash one. Ash Ketchum from Pokemon. Yeah, okay, yeah, so Hash, um, Arsenio Holodeck, you know, got it. it should Arsenio be obvious. Hall, okay. The anti trife equation because you know instead uh, of the anti life equation. equation. Uh, that, that's a comic book reference. So yeah. that's a, that might be on the deep end I'm, for some I'm literally people. sitting here like, yeah, I don't. And I'm, I don't and, know. And I'm the, butcher of, the butcher of names because I butcher names, you know. That's my Game of Thrones one, you know. Mm. Ben, mm. I mean, butcher of names. Mm. Mm. My nicknames yeah. are just as deep, so I'm not going to explain them. But um, <laughs> we'll be yeah. here all day. But what we, just for people to know who we are, we, of course, yes, we're their siblings on the Elliston Network. Yes. We are Fanbro Show. We are the voice of the Urban Geek, the multicultural maestros. For all nerds. For all nerds. We talk hey. about geek culture from the perspective of people of color and other marginalized groups. 
And we are in here. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we out zone. here. That's right. Y'all are in the zone. I'm actually very happy to be here. Shout yeah. out to Chico hey, Leo. Here. Shout out to Chico Leo. He's so petty. Chico Leo, he, he is so petty. No, yes. I'm, I'm saying that. In, I'm saying Grim? that for real. Shout out to Chico okay. Leo because yeah, yeah, he's not here. Miss, that's yes. the homie. Okay. Yeah. Two cheeks. You okay. know, yeah. we wanted you here. Two cheeks. Two cheeks donned me with the cool umbrella I have for Afro Punk. Yeah, just getting to say he held me down at Afro Punk. You see, he be holding it down. Damn man. Shout out to Two Cheeks. Yeah, you part of the thing. That's Epigenetics, right, motherfucking there. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> we think alike. <laughs> yeah, there's normally there's normally three of us. It's myself and my brothers, DJ Ben Amin and Mr. Chico Leo, the Puerto Rican Jewish guy. Yes. <laughs> uh, matzo balls and what is it? Matzo balls and um. Oh, uh, I, oh, matzo balls and maduros. Yeah, there we go. Matzo balls and maduros. It's lit. It's lit. It's lit. That's his nickname. Well, welcome to the friend zone, fam. Welcome bros. to the friend zone. So happy zone. to have y'all here. It's my, no, it's my second time being on here. Yes, yeah. oh, that's you, right. I'm a returning guest. You're that's right. Book. I still don't have my yes. copy of the book. Oh, but I, can, I, I. can I announce that right now? Abs- of course. Please, oh, more there. Well, um, my children's book, which I talked about the last time I was on here, The World Is Yours, is now available Yay. on the World Wide Web Yay. at www.theworldisyoursbook.com. And that's the black business of the hey, week. Hey, that's right. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, and it's right a, here. It's a children's it book, and it's uh, written by me and drawn by my boy Marcus Aline. Yes. And once again, it's available right now. Theworldisyoursbook.com. Yes. That's okay. right. Go get the damn book, y'all. This is a world premiere of me making that announcement, too, for real. Oh, yeah. 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 I just, yeah. I I just want to say, so proud of you. Like, Thank I you. sold you this in text, but I want to make sure everybody hears this. I am exceptionally Aww. proud of you because Aww. you went through the whole Kickstarter process. You went through the whole, like, life-changing process where it's like, damn, this, this, you, you talked about it, right? Yeah, I think like, I told the, I told the story of how the book came to be yeah. on here. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it was yes. You went through a lot. You went, you went. <laughs> I was so shocked. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I still, you know. I hope this ain't insensitive, but I be smoking sometimes, and I think about that, and I be like, that is fucked up. Yeah. Like, you know, I just need this little piece for me to take this edge off of, but that right there was, I, can, I just don't want to travel abroad. I feel like it discourages some people in some ways. No, just, just to Dubai. Fuck that place. Just to Dubai. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They talk about how pretty it is and shit, but they don't want to Fuck stay. that. And they racist. <laughs> But, but yeah, but so blessed to have y'all here. Yeah, the world is yours. Book dot com. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I want it, so I'm gonna go get it. Yes. <laughs> so on this week's show, we wanted to touch on the spectrum of blackness because if there's anything we learned about this election, <laughs> if there's anything we learned, I learned a lot, is that we need to tighten up <laughs> because the world. Well, not let me not put that on the world. The you country, can. right? You can, but yeah, you can. let's just focus on the country <laughs> one at a time. The country has spoken. The red maps have been posted, and we now, even though we knew it, but we now see with proof how the country feels about us. So it's time that we talk about ourselves, each other, and how we can tighten up this UNITY <laughs> because. Lord knows it is needed. It's one thing to talk about the elections in the negative, but what we need to do is talk about the elections in the positive as how can we fix this? What is the solution for us? So let's talk about the spectrum of blackness. Tatiana has something she wanted to say. I, I'm a, no, I'm moving away from the negativity because mm-hmm. I was gonna say I ain't uniting with nobody. No, no, but it's I'm not, not even what that. I meant. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna vibe with it and learn to 
get along. Yeah. yeah. And when I say unity, I mean amongst ourselves. Yes. Because, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. that's what I mean. I'm ref- I'm not saying, like, let's all hold hands. I know y'all expect that from me, but not even I'm speaking like that. Yeah, but did you, I don't know, but did you kind of notice after your election, like, whenever you, see, you saw a black person, a stranger, you were kind of, like, happy to see them? I felt that all weekend, like we were just kind of looking at each other in different like spaces, that like face. Yes, <laughs> like giving the nod like, to a lot of people. I'm that telling you, don't. the nod like, has been happening more often. People are get, are being warmer, like people of color mm-hmm. to each other. I've noticed that. I felt it. Like you feel that Trump slump, but people of color, we notice and we. I'm so happy that we're here to talk about this today because we need to get it together. Yeah, because I think it's. I mean, it's obviously we knew that we were. A small percentage of the country, but there's something about this week that really showed us just how small that percentage is. The fact that we, the women and men, came out in droves to vote for Hillary and it made no impact. Not only did it not make an impact, but we're still getting trashed in the news saying that, you know, we, we didn't show up. We didn't, show up. We we didn't vote. Up. We didn't sign up, you know, and, and it's just kind of like confusing, but. But you know what? Before we get into all that, let's let's talk about the spectrum of blackness in terms of being outcast. First of all, there isn't let's one kind of there. black. You you all aren't the same. You don't all like listen to hip hop music right. and, <laughs> and do your two strand twist or whatever. <laughs> right. So one thing that we all have in common on this episode is that we have been pushed out in one way or, or another. And it can be very divisive as much as we love our community. And the only reason we would even be bringing this up is so that we can figure out how to fix it. Yes. Not to shame and not to knock yes. us because obviously that's not going to resolve happen, shit. Yeah, it's not going to resolve all. shit. But we just got to figure out how do we fix this. So, Ambrose, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are the voice of the urban geek and nerds. For all nerds. For all nerds, right? Yes. Which key y'all catfish because y'all don't look like nerds, but go ahead, though. <laughs> <laughs> you don't tell me that. <laughs> go ahead, though. So you know. talk to us about what that means because obviously, you know, you guys felt that you needed to carve out that corner of blackness. Why? Where did that come from? What did you feel you needed to be the voice of exactly? Uh, I think for me, especially when it, we started Fan Bros, I didn't, there were like, I wasn't aware of the shout-out to Black Girl Nerd, shout-out to Geets of Color. I mean, it goes on and on. There's a whole a bunch of people in this space. But I didn't know of anyone. So it was like I've, I've grown my whole life being who I am, and I've always been this way. And especially when I was young, there wasn't a space for us at all. Like, it's changed nowadays. Like, I see kids, and I, I'll see little kids walking around in Avengers T-shirts, and, you know, they have Iron Man on the Target commercial. And But when I was a kid, no one who... Iron Man was. It was like, whatever, deep. And so it was like, <laughs> I just, you know, growing up, I didn't have that space. So once I had a chance and once I got into podcasting with, like, Combat Jack, you know, me and him distrusted it and we were like, oh, there needs to be something like this. And now that I'm doing it and have been doing it for a few years, it's just awesome and amazing to see how many people are out there who are like me and who grew up like me all over the world. And it's so weird because... I never expected that because, like I said, growing up, I was I had a very small circle of friends who were into the things I was into, and then I had a larger circle of friends who were just, you know, like I don't I don't want to say anyone's a normal, you know, person of color, but the more uh, typical, not even mainstream. typical, mainstream, mainstream person of color, yeah. <laughs> and when you say 
was like you? What does that mean exactly? Like, describe what kind of kid you were. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that's a description. Yeah, God damn, yeah, Ben, that's yeah. a description. That, that would be a pretty apt description of me as a child. Um, I was like just a. I mean, I was what you would call, like if you saw any TV show that. No, I wasn't Urkel bad, but I was. No, I was definitely not Urkel bad, but um, I was definitely not the cool kid. You know, there was just no, you know, no way in shape form was I anywhere near that. I was a super geek. I grew up reading comic books, playing role-playing games. And this is in Houston, Texas, which is like football capital of the world. And I had no desire to play football, no mm-hmm. desire to do any of that stuff. I read all the time. I was just off into my own world constantly. And So I, how did you end up with the ball main jeans on then? Because <laughs> this nigga telling y'all he wasn't shit back in the day. He's sitting up in here in some ball main jeans conducting this interview. What in the hell? Where's the disconnect? That's what I would like to know, goddammit. You grow up. And then the thing is, what, 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 what it really is for me is something that like, I grew into as I became an adult is that I really stopped giving a fuck what people thought about me. Yes. And I just realized that I was a geek and I didn't care. And I love being a geek and I love, you know, knowledge. I love just intelligence. I love, you know, people who are passionate about their things. And then even that, like, I realized like people told me that passion that you have for it makes you attractive to people more than just, you know, because people aren't, they don't love things in life. They're not like really have a love and are like, oh, I love that, you know? And so I love things and, you know, words. You know, these jeans are fly, man. You yeah, know? yeah, for real. Yeah. Like, hey, man. Yeah. That's, that's the point. Yeah. Further to my point. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you look how, good, you play good. And how are you treated by the mainstream black kids, as you put it? How like growing they, up, yeah. Like how did they oh, act towards fuck. you? Fuck, it was Houston. It was like there was, yeah. It was. It was like loser. Yeah, I was. Yeah. You know, I was the kid who was bullied. I was the kid who was, you know, just ostracized for the most part. Like I said, I had a real small group of friends who I was really cool with, and then outside of that, we were like those, you know. Any movie you saw where it was like the dork sitting at the table, you know, that was me. Like, uh. yeah, that was my crew. <laughs> like, so I was definitely. Just outside of it. I mean, yeah, I could. I wasn't the forty-year-old virgin, but you know, like, <laughs> you. And he ain't lying because I seen Mary Lou. So I mean, I'm just a shout out to you. Oh, I was on that path, but you know, I was saved. DJing helps. <laughs> and you are a dope DJ. You are a dope DJ too. Thank you very much. DJBenAmin.com. Uh, <laughs> his plugs. Tatiana can, you know, tell more than I can. Though. Yeah, what about yeah. what was your experience? Especially it, as a young black woman. Especially <clears throat> as a young black woman, I would think it was even harder. But you were always fly though. See, that's the difference. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're gonna back that one up a lot because I was the one with the Coke bottle. Mm. You know, glasses, not yep. being able to see in fifth grade and all that other stuff. You go from not that cool, somewhat a dork to 100% dork. Plus, I like technology. Plus, I like engineering. Plus, I like all these video games. Plus, mm-hmm. I don't know if they use that term anymore. Back in the day, I was always labeled a tomboy. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm out there playing with, with RC cars and mm-hmm. rocket ships and all that stuff. And I think that's the coolest thing ever. But then when I bring that to the girls, they're looking at me like bitch what's your problem right like why (laughs) why do you think that's cool so you have that then i'm black so the only people who are even kind of showing their geekiness are white kids and then they don't they looking at me like who the fuck are you (laughs) 
And then the the little bit of people who were into it, they were closeted. Like, they were, like, not putting it out there. This, again, this is way before, as you said, Avengers and all that stuff being on regular TV. This is, like, people don't want you to know that they're a geek because mm -hmm. the stigma that comes with it and the way that people approach you and even look at you. And, and really the main thing is the way they label you and then figure you out for you like they'll say oh well you must be this type of person or you must be into that because i this is how i perceive you and it's 100 wrong so think about that and then being a kid and a black girl that and then if i go with nappy hair it was just like no so when did you figure <laughs> out you was fine First of all, because Tatiana fine, y'all. I don't give a fuck with Tatiana is fine. Yes. So she forgot her AKA Tati the body. All right. Okay. Thank you. Hey, you need but, a, no. you need a, a Instagram. Instagram. I know you got an Instagram. Oh, you, but you need like a, Yeah, you need like you should be selling I mean, the team instead of TED talks. You can Tatiana get fine. You can get tech thoughts. Well, Fan bros would be so much more popular oh, right shit. now. <laughs> For real. Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. No, seriously. Thank you. But um. I never considered myself fine or anything like that. Oh, like, yeah, I didn't yeah, think yeah, that. Yeah, 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 We know you. And, Come on. Honestly, no, seriously. Honestly, I mean, now I do. No. <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't until, like, I was damn near a senior in high school when, like, I actually started getting, honestly, I actually started getting attention. That's early shit. Early? Yo, Before you I, don't want to know. I went to Howard and was still a geek. Well, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm a girl, so maybe I got yeah. over it. Yeah, you, okay. you were doing um, much better than me. No, it, yeah. yeah, it was, like, around the time because, uh, again, it's not people are not giving you the time of day and then, and then someone literally someone had one day was like oh you cute mm -hmm. and after that I was like oh oh, oh okay. who I am oh, I can. but not only that it was also kind of a, a understanding of oh you can be cute and still like the stuff you like because they didn't they said you was cute but they never said oh but, but you're a dork or oh you're a loser mm -hmm. it was always it was kind of like oh here's a compliment or here's positivity and let it stand and let you stand with it and once that happened I was like oh there is a chance to have both. There is a chance for me to be able to be in this world and not be judged for no reason, really. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of how it went from there. So really, I would say, like, I didn't really blossom until, like, I was pretty much out of high school. I think I was, like, almost out of Howard. Today's episode of The Friend Zone is brought to you by the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. Thurgood! 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 Do you owe your student loan yeah. or does your student loan owe you? Yeah, that's it. Do you own your student loan I mean, or I does know. your student loan own you? Oh, that one. Do you bone for your student loan? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Back to something with so much dignity. <laughs> your student loan debt might look like an impossible mountain to climb, but defaulting on your loans can mean ruined credit, career roadblocks, and ever-deepening depressing debt. Mm. This is so true, you guys. Mm -hmm. To bring more awareness to the issue of student loan debt and help create solutions, the Thurgood Marshall College Fund has created and launched the In the Black campaign. That's hashtag In the Black campaign. African-American students carry a disproportionate level of the overall student debt load. $1.2 trillion in outstanding debt. Damn. High levels of student loan debt can put you at a severe disadvantage from the start of your professional career. High student loan debt means less money for savings, mm -hmm. buying a home, starting a business, buying Jordans, buying a purse, getting your hair done, getting your hair cut, paying your car insurance, paying for dinner, giving your mother money, paying your loans back, saving your friendships, <laughs> keeping your home intact. 
The Thurgood Marshall College Fund hopes to raise awareness about student loan repayment options for college students, graduates, and young professionals. To learn more about this important campaign, please visit GetInTheBlack.org. That's GetInTheBlack.org to learn more about the Thurgood Marshall College Fund and how your debt doesn't need to hold your life back, which it will. Please listen and go to GetInTheBlack.com. Let's get back to the show. And you both went to Howard, right? Yes. Yep. So, so, you know. so what's it like being this geek and going to an HBCU? Same. Same. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say just a little like less. Like how challenging was that? I would say a little less of the same only yeah. because everyone's like in their adulthood or trying to yeah. get into their adulthood so they kind of leave you alone. Yeah. Like I had little comments here and there but it was from friends that were just messing with me because they knew that like they, were they weren't trying to hurt me. Right. Like, they were yeah. just like oh yo Tatiana knows how to do it. She know how to do the wires and all that. So, like you know they'll say little comments like that and it's not a big deal. They're not yeah. sitting there trying to hurt you like people in the streets back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, 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 again for me it wasn't as bad. It just... Again, maybe because people just let you be who you want to be, and everyone's trying to find themselves anyway in school. Like, they kind of just let you go whatever path you need to go. Yeah, and by Howard, I was really DJing a lot, so it was a different story than, like, you know, people didn't know me as a geek geek like that. They knew me as a DJ geek. But you know, DJ geek is a little bit cool. So DJ, gives, yeah, it gives DJ your, saved your your, your oh, sexual you got life. To, it, it saved my life in mm. general. Yeah, I, I would think it was worse for you because. Like, even though we both went to Howard, he went from a, a different time period, like a completely different time period, like one of the golden years she of Howard. She called you old. He <laughs> is. And Pretty I, much. You hear that? Yeah. Oh, I, I look, as fuck. I feel like... The golden years of Howard. That's literally the 50s. <laughs> she, she, said, she said, just so you know, he went way, way back then. Damn. Damn. Right, let me explain the golden years as in like... <laughs> no, don't, yeah, don't say Very anymore. famous people coming out at the same time. Ooh, like Be Arthur and them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to see Destiny's Child on the yard all the time. What? No. No. I was going to say, you Beyonce too. You got that off the Love and Hip Hop Hollywood reunion. I've seen that too. I would feel like it was harder for you because that was still like real hip hop time yeah. and all that stuff. So mm. Yeah, but it, it, like I say, it wasn't at Howard. Well, at Howard, I was around a lot of people who, like my crew, everyone thought it was cool. So it's like because I was in this crew of the cool kids, I kind of managed to, you know, just blend in with the rest of the cool kids. Assimilate. Yeah, but Assimilate. I'm I'm always the person who's just like like Tatiana said, like in my head, I don't see myself as who I am right now. I'm still the person who I was growing up, you know, which is like, oh man, if I showed y'all <laughs> pictures, y'all would be like, Jesus, man, you came a long way. Like, <laughs> it was, it I was think bad we time. all are a little bit. You know, yeah. Yes. That's why stuff is exciting. Anytime you get excited about something, you realize you're still that little kid. You yeah. know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Because yeah. if you're grown and you don't care, you'd be like, huh? Hmm, huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, now, what were the most challenging parts? Like, did you feel that you had to hide? I know you said you definitely yes. had to kind of. Yeah. Yes. Like, and, and, did you do a lot of pretending? Yes. And I got, and I paid for it uh, badly, poorly. Um, all of my pretending and assimilation attempts failed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and if anything, it made me it made me look more of a dork. Yep. It made me look worse, and it and it revealed me to be a pretender. And that's I, and again, this was happening all through like middle school, high school, and then at one point in high school, like early high school, I had moved. Like for one year, I was in Maryland, and when I say Maryland. from New York to Maryland, and when I say like 
This was during a time where in New York, every girl, everybody was wearing baggy jeans. You know, they was wearing the whole Tommy Hilfiger look. Like, that was accepted. Tim's, all that. Looking like Aaliyah. Right, looking like Aaliyah. So me, baby Aaliyah, go down to Maryland for that one year, and they, like, they wearing tight clothes, <laughs> fitted, hair, you know, all they looking at me like, girl, with your, with your poetic justice braids, and, like... <laughs> And the one time, I'm telling y'all this story, the one time I said, you know what? I got to try to fit in, right? Because they're going to they gonna stop make, making fun of me. I found my aunt's, like, old pair, like, Parasuco jeans. And Not the Parasuco. Let me tell you, Parasuco. <laughs> I don't know if y'all from D.C., but that was the thing was at it? one point. So, they're, they're, <laughs> mind you, these are old jeans. They're black, so they're a little ashy. It's just a little bit ashy. So A little bit. Just a little bit. So, I put on my little... Um, messed up little BB t-shirt and my little parasucos <laughs> and I had my little self He's on down. Lord. Yeah, on down to, down to school. And during lunch hour, one of the kids that stayed messing with me, he was like, look at Tatiana trying to be cool with them ashy <laughs> parasucos. Oh. <laughs> he said this in a lunchroom. Everything went silent. Everybody. Oh, um, Isn't it crazy how you remember shit like this? in there. And he said it loudly. <laughs> Please tell me you got in that ass, Tatiana. How? How? I know. That was, again, this was my, again, this was only for one year, but I was down there and this was still early in the school year. So I had my little three friends, my one other homegirl from New York and two other dorks. <laughs> and they were looking at me like, well, girl, you know, <laughs> I just, you just going to have to live with that. Like, like what they were supposed to do? They were looking at me. They just sat with me like, well. Guess you're just gonna have to sit with that today. <laughs> That's the L of the day. That was the L of the day. I mean, I oh, had never been, and you could tell because I remember the story. Right. Yeah. I have never been more embarrassed in my life. You remember who it was? It's Twitter and shit. We can get him now. <laughs> I'm sure we, I, I can find it. him. Yeah, That's a great no. TV moment. Because no. if they, cause if they mm. could see you now, mm. it's okay. like an episode of uh, Jenny Jones or Ricky Lake. Remember yeah. <laughs> when they were ripped through the thing? Yes. Like, look at me okay. now. Yes. Yeah, but that happened. I'm a, what did they say? I'm a oh, bag whack. of chips. No, I'm a whack. Whack. No, okay. I'm a <laughs> I, I used to be whack, and now I'm all of that. Yeah, yeah. bag of chips. <laughs> they used to hate me, and now they're hating on me. Yeah. yeah. They hate me. That's just because they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You said Jenny Jones. So, did, I'm sorry. Just uh, Did that affect your decision to go to an HBCU as well? Like, do you feel like it kind of went down? The, the nerd yeah. stuff, do you feel like... You were maybe outside of the box a little bit because you were black and a nerd. Like, do you feel like it went down a little bit because you're like, all right, at least I'm going to a black school, so now I'm just a nerd. Were you the token? Me? Yeah, ever? Because I was. In, in school in no, general? No, just in or general. Or... Like, like, in my circle of friends, I definitely threw, like, mm-hmm. elementary through high school. I mean, I had, like, because I got bussed, you know, in Houston, you, you know, certain kids get bussed to, like, the oh, magnet yeah. schools. Yeah. So I got bussed to school, and, like, where I got bussed to, like, my best friend from kindergarten is Jewish, but then my other best friend... And my hood is black. So it's like I got this crew in the hood. You was busted a white school? Yeah, I was busted a white Mm. school. So, like, I had white friends, and then I had the hood, black Mm. friends. But in my white friends, I was the token. Like, that's straight up. There was no other, you know, oh, my God. It's funny being the token in front of white people, like... Because they will eventually say things in front of you where you're just sitting there like... They want to see what they can get away with. Right. Like, my best friend's dad, shout out. I mean, it's my boy to this day, you know. <laughs> you know, and he knows the story because I've told on Twitter before. His dad asked me to rap at his bar mitzvah. Oh. I wasn't what? into Are rap. A, I was about to say... <laughs> I didn't DJ then. There was no... In, I was rolling, role-playing game dice and reading comic books. I had no... You know, I couldn't even snap my fingers on beat. Like, I was like... 
I was I was bad, you he know. He said rap. It yeah, and he asked me to rap at his bar mitzvah. So that's what I mean. They will say Ooh, some. Lord. So even as a geek, you know, when you're even when you're like in that circle of other geeks, you know, people mm-hmm. will it will still. It's hilarious. You'll hear a lot of shit. Wow. At least he ain't asked you to tap at the bad oh. for now, that. That would have been. My mom already. That's where you should have barged the goddamn fist up. Yeah, right my there. mom. My mom already <laughs> cursed him out over it. My mom would have beat his ass. Oh like, my God. yeah, <laughs> that would have been a different story. What? No, I was never the token. I was just hanging out with other quote unquote outcasts. I was like, the token. I try to yeah. hang out with as many people color as possible. I feel like at least give me that. If I can't be with a bunch of nerds, then at least give me with mm. people with with some melanin, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's not to say that. I like uh, Peshaw the white folks it's just that I wanted to be with my people and then that actually helped my decision to go to HBCU because what three out of the five schools I applied to were HBCUs because I just wanted that experience like I've always grown up in either heavily Latino communities or like kind of mixed communities and then high school was predominantly white so mm. I was just like, I just want to be an experience. Yeah, okay. Right. Like, because I, I had no idea what to expect. And I think that's why I went for it, really. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I really don't know what this is going to be like and the type of people who I'm going to meet if I want to find anybody even remotely like me. But I just want to try it. Mm. And it was like it, the best experience I've ever had in my life. What are the HBCUs Aww. you applied to? Um, you was going to be a Spelman woman? Clark. No. Oh, did you? It's, yeah, I applied to you Clark. You applied to Clark Atlanta? Clark yeah. Atlanta. I was like this close to Clark. It was a. It was just like two months before August. It was a last minute decision that got me to Howard. I was thinking of Hampton. My sister went to Hampton. I actually so got. Never. I actually got accepted to Bowie State, but I was just like, no, nah, I don't want to go there. But um, and y'all know since I'm a Howard, I'm gonna hate on Hampton. Oh so, yeah, HIU. <laughs> yeah, no, my sister went there before me, and I, I visited, and that that made me want to go to Howard. But her experience with Hampton made me never. And y'all lost, you know. Anyone who went there, <laughs> sorry. Y'all yeah, lost. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It, seems, it seems like we accidentally are push, pushing the HBCU right? agenda. Yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't plan this, but you it's just funny it, that you it happened. Can't open Once you do it. that, yeah, you know, we, we start. Yeah. Now, what about, well, now let's yeah. let's mosey on down to Asante and Dustin. <laughs> mm-hmm. What about you? Growing up, did you find yourself to be an outcast in any way through your Absolutely. black identity? Absolutely. I grew up in a household that was very religious. Mm. And so we had all sorts of constraints and all sorts of things that we couldn't do that everybody else in the world could do. And so um, there was shame attached to that. There was um, lots of questions, lots of insecurity, all kinds of shit. And I'm still dealing with the remnants of some of it today. Um, I think that my personality is a little bit more bold because it had to be so contained for so long. Um, so I'm still it's still fresh. I'm still in my fields. You know what right. I mean? So and add to that other issues that I had going on that I did not have any idea how to manage. So, yes, I am very familiar with having a seat at the table of outcasts. <laughs> and how did you fi- did you find yourself pretending as well in order to get by or how did you survive that? Somewhat. Um, and I think that at a certain point, I just literally made a decision to not be unhappy anymore so I decided to to embrace certain things about myself that you know I felt like were cool or whatever I just started being cool I started liking um the way that I looked somewhat you know a little bit more than I did before because I got a huge head you know what I'm saying I had braces so my teeth were you know I had a gap in my goddamn teeth before you know what I'm saying 
big forehead on top of having a huge head or whatever. Shout out. But then I was like, <laughs> right. But then I was like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, but when I look in the mirror, I kind of like the way, like, my head looks from the back, not the side. And then I was like, well, yeah, like, my eyes are low, but if I do them like this, you know what I'm saying? It looks, you know, it'll make you feel something. I was like, okay. I was like, <laughs> you know, this you might had. work. I started watching my older brother. I thank God for my relationship with my brother because he has really helped me to just feel better about myself and my opinion and a lot of different things. And so I was watching how my brother was navigating his social circles and him and my cousins, you know, being the man in my eyes or whatever and, you know, having holes and shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was like, oh, I want my turn. So I was watching them and then my older sister, watching her and her friends going to college and, you know, driving to Atlanta to go to Freak Nick, you know, and Not having fun Nick, and like, and, and you know, and having these good like corporate jobs and shit and being young black girls I was watching all of that and I was just like I want to be like them and I, I wanted my turn and so all the things and I watched how my brother didn't really take no shit you know what I mean how he rebelled against some of the things the ways that we were raised in you know our religion and stuff like that I was like well damn why you know shit some of the things I don't want to do damn it I ain't doing it no more either you know once <laughs> I I found my independence and so I'm so grateful for 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 watching them and the example that they said even though I just made it a joke they really were you know focused and successful and they took pride in their appearance and they just defied all of the things that I felt were confining me. And so I went as far as I could with that. And I was just really, I'm, to this day, I'm really grateful that I had that example because it was, I don't know, it just made me, I guess because we're siblings, it made me feel like they knew what my struggles were. And they did it this way, in spite of those struggles, the same struggles that they had. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. And can you remember a time you were traumatized, like Tatiana, where someone pointed out what made you an outcast and kind of like try to blow up the spot? So many times, right? I have two cousins <laughs> named Andre and Chris, right? They sound like and trouble. Andre, Andre, it was the three of us. We were the three amigos growing up. More so me and Andre than me, Andre and Chris. Um, but... Chris was around and shit like that, whatever. And so, um, long story short, and I'm going to do this with as much tact and class as I can. <laughs> we were all at church, at what was church for us one time or whatever. And um, my mother had gotten angry with me for something I had done defiant or whatever. And she smacked me on my head in the middle of the entire, like, you know, the place. Right. Which before you motherfuckers start, don't send me nothing about child abuse or anything oh like that. Because it wasn't no. people whoop their kids you or they do stuff, whatever. So don't send me nothing. I and I'm telling you now. So anyway, so my cousins <laughs> wrote in the Bible. Right. <laughs> they opened the Bible. Up. What? You know how Bibles have like some Bibles have those maps of like the biblical lands in the front. They wrote in there as if where we were, and <laughs> you laughing already. Because, <laughs> you know, it's some stupid, funny shit, right? This is where I get my sense of humor from, from going through shit like this. They wrote in there, smacked in the head, and, like, drew a picture of a boy with a huge head, and I had really wavy hair. And so they drew, like, all, like, like probably, like, 40 waves going on the head, and they drew my mother's hand with red nails. <laughs> On the side of my head. <laughs> and they showed it to, like, all the other kids that were our age, like, in there. <laughs> it was lit. And mind you, everybody had already saw it. It was And because our lives were so built around our religion, this literally was, like, being in front of the world. And so right. it was so embarrassing. And 
There's another story in correlation with this that I'll tell you guys after this goes off. <laughs> but I remember that, and I'll never forget how that felt. It's been a lot. I've been humiliated, like, mm-hmm. a lot mm-hmm. of times. Same. And I think that's where I, oh, like, hell yeah. I can remember. Okay, let's talk. So I can remember I was in the eighth grade. It was a boy in the ninth grade and a boy in the tenth grade, and they were bullying me on the bus, calling me feminine, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. Fuck this. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no way in hell. I'm, in my head, I'm thinking, I got to take this bus every day. One day of that shit, because I was figuring out, it was new for me. So I'm like, okay. So I went home the next day, and I'll never forget, like, the stuff that they were saying to me. And the next day, I went to school. My brother used to drop me off at the bus stop every morning. And I went to school, and in order for him to get back to the house, he would have to follow behind the bus to turn a certain way. As soon as I got on the bus, because the other boys were on the bus before me, I had um, I had my fist balled up, and I had a little, like, a rock, basically, in one of my hands. And I'll never forget, I got on the bus, and I was like, that shit was funny yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Oh when, y'all were, when y'all was calling me gay and fags and shit, I'm like, what's up now? And the boy got up, and I remember I hit him square in, like, the side, in between his ear and his temple. Mm. And then I remember the other boy tried to jump because I was whooping his ass. And the other boy tried to jump in, but I had my little trick in my other hand, and I tore their asses up on the bus. And my brother was behind the bus. He, I, I hadn't told him I was going to go to school and fight that morning. You know what I'm saying? So he was behind the bus. The next thing I knew, my brother was on the bus, and I was on top of the other two. I was winning. And so my brother just pulled me off of them, and the bus driver was like, just take them home. Take him home, and we went home. And I remember my brother was so proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was so proud of me. He was like, "D, I didn't like you. Didn't tell him, you know, whatever." Right. And so I got suspended from school because I had a weapon. Mm. So they kicked me out for like two weeks, and my parents were like fake mad, but not really mad, you right. know. But I remember that, and I beat their ass. So let there be a lesson to everybody that listens <laughs> right to this show. you open your mouth. Don't, don't bother nobody, and to those that are being bothered, stand up for yourself, because you might win. Just like you might lose, you might win. And sometimes you got to lose to win again. Bullies are all mouth anyway. Like, they yeah. can't do anything. I used to get my ass kicked a lot, though. So yeah. It goes both really? ways, yeah. But like I say, it was a lot of bullying. Like, you know, Dustin said, I went through a lot of that, too. I mean, just... For mainly being a geek, though, and just being so different in Houston growing up. And so I fought a lot. And you would, you know, you fight and you lose. But I was just the type of person who would not have it. You know, if somebody said something to me, I'm going to fight. I just, mm. I don't, I wasn't good with disrespect. I had a really short time. But how exhausting, though, right? That it was like you couldn't just be. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was. But I just, it was just one of those things where you had to do it, you know, back then. To fight? Yeah. No. People were verbally abusive to me. I've, Huge, I've, yeah, I've that's what I mean. I had, had to get in a fist fight, but people were verbally, every freaking day. Well, I think, especially as a man, when somebody says something verbally to you after a while, you're going to be like, yo, fuck that. And it's just going to oh, be a yeah. Fight. yeah. You know, especially as a kid. Like, as we a were girl, just, too, yeah. sometimes you just be yeah. like, look, fuck y'all. Especially in New York. Like, I've seen yeah. Sharkeisha. Oh, showing no weakness. Yeah. We're terrorists over here. <laughs> I've seen Sharkeisha in them in the video. What about you, Asante? What outcast experiences have you had growing up? All of them. <laughs> I uh, have been outcast my entire life. I sit here and outcast to my outcasts. And uh, for as long as I can remember, it was just always surrounding this theme of presence. Like, I remember being a young child, being a black child in, like, a white classroom, <clears throat> 
And the teachers always, like, kind of gave me this look. And for a while, I thought it was because, like, it was just always this, like, look of wonder, right? And you're thinking mm-hmm. as a child, like, I don't know, you're just thinking child shit. But I'm, like, look, always looking at these teachers, like, why do they look at me like that? And a few different times, I kid you not, there had been, like, we're going to have Asante come read in the front. And, like, you know, when you would come read in the front sometimes for school. Ugh, and so because so I was actually, I was a really good student, but I didn't like to talk a lot. So I would be the student that they would pick sometimes. And because I would do a good job, they would be, okay, come back up more and do it. But there were a few teachers that would always pick me and I would read. And then when I would get done, they would be like, see, he's going to lead. He's going to lead people one day. Like, and it would be because I was the token, like black person in some of these Mm -hmm. classes. Mm -hmm. Not to say they were trying to call me an MLK or something, but, you know, it was really that whole he speaks so well mentality. Oh, like eloquent. Yeah. Like every mm. time it would be like, all right, come up and read for the class. And the teacher, you know, it wasn't just that proud because for all the other kids, be, oh, cool, you get a gold star. I wouldn't get a gold star. I literally would just get acknowledged for being a, a great black wonder. And it was like, what the fuck is this? And so to deal with that, like on a, you know, to go to a white school and deal with that and then to have these sexuality issues as a young boy with no father, I would play with my... <laughs> What? My, with, no, Hold on. That, that sounded really bad. I would play Every with my boy. Did I would play with my neighbor? Oh, uh, she, shit. My that neighbor. Too. She lived right. On, she lived right under us. Literally, she was my best friend for a very long time. But we would play Barbie dolls. So my mom is a working mom, not caring. At least he playing Barbies. He downstairs. The lady watching him. Like whatever she's thinking, whatever her thought process is, these Barbies ain't gonna hurt nobody. So we down there playing Barbies, having a good old time. Like I went from literally playing with action fi- action figures because uh, Action Man. Does anybody remember Action Man? Yes. Really cheap toy. He would have like the speed motorboat, all this shit. So I'm thinking you got this male doll that has all these really cool things, and the girls playing with the Barbies, and they got all these outfits. I want the outfits. Like, so I would have Barbie on Action Man's boat, like a yacht, things like that, like real feminine things. So I would be outcast because I was this boy playing with Barbie dolls in the neighborhood with this little girl. Like coming home from the school with all the white kids, you go home to the black neighborhood and all the black kids don't want to deal with you because you soft or you gay or whatever. And then to to go from that, you don't have no daddy to to talk to all this stuff about. It was like just issues on issues on issues. P.S. I lived in Atlanta, Atlanta, like, you know, for a very long time. Uh, in the particular area that we lived in, there were big drug problems in the complex, the complexes. So there were these issues of, you know, em- you know, empty apartments. So kids just being curious in neighborhoods, seeing shit and seeing all sorts of things I never thought in my life I would see and don't want to speak to of this day because my mom might be listening. She still don't know. <laughs> but like to go from seeing stuff like that in that neighborhood and then to move out of that um, in high school to go to a predominantly black school with a small white percentage because it was a magnet. It was a performing arts magnet. Yep. So the only white kids that went to the school all had talent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's all of the talented white kids and then the black kids that live in the area because we've taken over this area now. You know, that's... So you have to deal with these different levels of... And I went to this black school, actually, because I was one of the black people in the magnet program. Mm-hmm. But the white kids see you automatically and... uh uh, it was labeled the district kids, the, the black kids. Cases. Yeah, so it was the district kids, and then it was the the magnet kids. So mm-hmm. the magnet kids were always looked at as better than. So the magnet kids would look at me sometimes and be like, "Oh, are you a district kid?" I'm like, "No, bitch, I'm part of the magnet too, and I don't live in this neighborhood." But even if I did, I still whip your ass and get that part in the play. Like, what time is it? Right. Like, it was like you just had to deal with these these things and to go from all this different uh, bullshit. Um, it was kind of hard to, like, run to a crowd of anybody. So at some point, I just decided on my own I was going to have a good time. Like, it kind of goes along that mentality of being your own best friend. But, like, you have these interactions with people, and a lot of the time growing up, 
you don't know what people's motives are. And it's not because of what they have, but it's because of what other people have given to them. Like white kids, they might just look at you and think that you're different because of something their parents said. And that was something I had to deal with a lot going to birthday parties and shit like that. So after a while, I was just like, all right, well, I just have a better time perceiving things the way I want to perceive them since people are going to push off whatever on me they want to any damn way. So I'd live it the way that I want to live it. Can I offer one more thing? I just want to say this. Like, I'm doing okay. You know what I mean? Life is good. I have bad, shitty days, but, like, for the most part, I've designed, like, a life that's okay. So I feel like because I got, like, I have i don't, I just don't want people to get me mistaken. Like, I don't feel like I've been through something or, you know, we're just simply sharing stories. You know what I'm saying? These are not things that have, you know, negatively impacted my life now at this point. Like, I've gotten past them. I don't even give a fuck anymore. Right. It's just, like stories that have a relevance you know what I mean but like I don't want it to be mistaken that I'm like this person who feels like I done been through this stuff and it's made me this way and I, y'all need to remember that when you're dealing with me and shit. Like you I'm don't good. Feel scarred. Like, yeah. I don't feel scarred. Like, I don't feel scarred. I feel like that these yeah. instances have helped shape I'm good. my experience. It's definitely well, part no, of the makeup. Yeah. I wouldn't even say that it's about um, whether it scarred you so much as it is I'm just hoping people are aware mm. as, like of how you treat people because Thankfully, you guys aren't scarred. We're blessed. But we remember, but there, but you also remember all the, the details. And there are a lot of people who are highly scarred, and a lot mm. of them have platforms online. <laughs> I, I am definitely okay. scarred. Ooh, I definitely okay. have platforms. I want it to be clear. Right? No. Yeah. Yeah. no, no, you know no, no. You're blessed because no, you managed to get through it. But we have to keep in mind the people that don't get through it. You yeah. know what I mean? And and. You see the people online having breakdowns all the time and suffering from severe bullying, you know? Even damn kid Cuddy still, who had had gotten help and is still going through some things, you know? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, because even even young, you know, you might, in certain instances, solve some of these things and, and you're healed. But then there might be other doors that don't unlock until you've reached a different part of your, I don't even want to say your adulthood, any part of your life. And it'll be like, oh shit, there's something I put back there I didn't even realize I didn't deal with. Yeah. And that's what I that's just for me what I deal with. Cause sometimes I'm like, all right, this is cool. And then it's like later on, like, hey bitch, you forgot about me. It ain't cool for real. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. I see you in the window, but I ain't coming over here just yet. <laughs> yeah, I wanna say that too, Dustin, though, because I feel you like I don't feel like the things that happened to me. Like I said, i I grew up in the South. I grew up in a, you know, Southern Baptist home. I grew up with a dad who was like a really good athlete and in military. And I was just so different than all of that. But, you know, I don't feel, like, scarred or hurt by that. And my dad was wild. Like, you know, when you talk about, like, I, if people heard the story, they'd be like, okay, call child abuse right now. <laughs> like, you know, that Negro was, yeah, he was out of control. But I don't feel scarred by those things at all. I just feel like they just made me who I am. Exactly. And that's like, yeah. I wouldn't be who I am right now without the experiences I went through in life. But I do feel you too, friend. Like I feel like people are scarred out there. And I feel like they need, you know, a lot of people uh, project an image, you know, very easily because of online. And people think that these people are, like, doing so well in their life and they got all these great things. But a lot of people are really just angry. And that always bugs me how people are, like, I saw someone online, I'm not going to say no names, but I saw them today talk about how they've grown on Twitter over the seven or so years they've been on there, and they look back at how they used to be so vindictive and shade-throwing all the time. And that bugs me about people who are just like, who have a huge audience and always mad and always like, man, mad, everything, you know? like Right. I don't get that because I'm just the type of person who thinks, you know, being positive, projecting positivity, 
even when you're not in that mood, it's just a better thing to do than just being all like, everything's terrible. Right. What about you, friend? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Well, no, we'll get to me, but I, <laughs> I, I, I want to make sure everyone gets to speak. No, but my Moderation. last question for Asante, yeah, exactly. My last question is the the pretending part. Was there ever a time that you Tina felt you had pretend. to like pretend in order to... Asap <laughs> Rocky, it was a great video. Go on. <laughs> if you felt you had to pretend in order to just get by. Yes. And not have to deal <laughs> yes. with the bullshit. I think that's what I'm dealing with today. Like, for, so, uh, uh, yeah, at some point in my and life... And see, and that's why it's important to talk about, because there are a lot of people that are still pretending. Yeah, like, and, and I think, be, thank God I've come into this show where we talk about some of this stuff, because I was sitting back thinking about shit like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Like, as a child, um, you get stuck in these roles because you blew the gates wide open when you asked, who do you crave love from more, your your mother or your father? So it's like I think about all these instances as a child that have kept me even into my adulthood that I never even looked back on that could have affected where I'm, where I'm at now. But being a child, having to be in a box, for a while you just say, okay, this is where you think I am. This is where I'm at. So this is the box. So sometimes people see you and they say things to you and they try to reaffirm like, oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be that. It's like in my head, I know that, but people have to reaffirm that to me because for a very long time, I just had to pretend that's where I was. Like when I go to this job that I talk about, I hate so much. I can't in my mind just go to work and work. It's like I have to go to work and pretend, you know, because mm-hmm. you're especially in service. You're reading a lot of those manuals like, oh, the show must go on and blah, blah, blah. So you just think, all right, I'm just going to pretend so I can get through this day. In certain aspects, I just say I'm gonna pretend I'm going to enjoy this train ride, even though this is going to be some bullshit, just so I can keep it going. And some of that isn't pretending. Some of that is me actually dealing with the shit and saying I've had this day and I'm going to just take this time to feel this way I want to feel and move out of it. But then when you put that pretend hat on, you forget to move out of it. You just are you just moving with it. Mm-hmm. Preach. <laughs> this week's episode of The Friend Zone is brought to you by Eloquy. Eloquy is the destination for contemporary fast fashion in sizes 14 through 28. Hey! Eloquy offers a full collection of dresses, skirts, tops, sweaters, coats, belts, pants, denim, jackets, and accessories all designed in-house. They offer a sophisticated and figure-conscious fit, and new styles are added to their site daily with full collections launching every month. Get inspired by their lookbooks with the latest trends, from color blocking and mixed prints to ruffles and metallics, so you can dress like you have your own personal stylist. Eloquy ships throughout the U.S. and Canada with free shipping on orders over $100. No questions asked, no hassles. Exchanges are for items purchased within the last 30 days. And you can return items if you're not satisfied for your money back. To get 50% off your first item and 40% off any additional items, visit eloquy.com slash friendzone and use promo code friendzone during checkout. That's E-L-O. Q-U-I-I dot com slash friendzone and use promo code friendzone during checkout. Shine a light on friends. Shine <laughs> a light on friends. <laughs> well, for me, I think my two identity issues had to be, the first one is being a intelligent kid from the hood <laughs> because that's not, that's something you have to pretend not to be, in a, which is so stupid when you think about it now, but even having a big book bag was, like, scary. Isn't that weird? It was scary to walk through the hood with a big book bag that had lots of books in it. Or I was in a private school, 
and I played sports. So, you know, I would come, the bus would drop me off and I'd tell them to drop me off two blocks away so that I could change because I didn't want to walk yeah. through my project with um, a sports, you know, sports clothes to show that I went to this fancy mm. private school. And then it was twofold because I didn't want to be that like uppity bougie kid at my in my project but then in school when the kids would be like why don't we ever have sleepovers at your house i'd be like i don't <laughs> <laughs> about that i don't know if you white kids want to come to the project okay. you know we have chicken bones and piss in the elevator and it just doesn't really work <laughs> so it was just this like constant anxiety about having to play pretend on both ends mm-hmm. you know and and when i'd go back to my project and they would ask stuff about school. You know, I had to water down the kind of classes I was taking and water down the things I was interested in and just trying to, like, switch the subject as fast as I could so that, you know, they could talk about how fucked up their schools were and I didn't have to feel guilty for the fact that I wasn't in a fucked up public school anymore because I had gotten out in fifth grade, you know? So that was the biggest identity thing of just having to play pretend on both ends and then, funny enough, race, as I got older, and I honestly would say race was an issue just because, you know, I'm Dominican, Puerto Rican, and Haitian, which is crazy, to, that mix. Right. <laughs> it's just, <a> <laughs> it's just like world war. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, not yeah. from the Zulu Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Shout outs to y'all. Um, but um, that was hard growing up because... You know, from the Dominican <laughs> side, they're looking at me like, you're black and that shit's whack. <laughs> the Puerto Rican side is like, you're black and that shit's whack. Mm. Then the Haitian side is like, yeah, we're black, but you're hella light. Like, right. you're mm. not even nowhere near anything having to do with our culture. So not to be the tragic mulatto, like, <laughs> where it's Queen. like, I don't know where I fit in. I never really dealt with it in that way but I just sort of always felt like okay fine like no one's accepting me I'll just like do my own thing I wasn't bullied in school I was actually the cool kid that would be cool with all the nerds and sort of try to integrate them into our table uh, like yeah, you know so you didn't exist in my school yeah, yeah <laughs> like I was that kid that would float around to the different tables because I just always wanted people to feel comfortable so I would sit me. with the cool kids no. but then I would go sit with the nerdy kids and just like talk to them about music or whatever you know because i was listening to z100 too like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean (laughs) i loved the fuck out of (laughs) here so i was a floater and the the cool thing is because i was so laid back and chill it was just kind of accepted like fran ain't part of nobody's crew she's just a part of everybody's crew if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so school was never really an issue but then the race issue really hit me harder when i got online and became an influencer. Because mm. when I started doing hair videos, and the thing is, I never came online and said, I'm a natural hair blogger. It's never said that. It was always wellness, wellness, wellness. hair's always been the trend. Yeah, but mm-hmm. because I had curly hair, and as part of my wellness, which if you look at my YouTube channel, it's a lifestyle channel. I've never been, like, solely based on hair yeah you know we saw deodorant lip balm like butters conversations about like maca root and you know and fitness together yeah so but because i had curly hair um 
it was easy to push me into that box of, oh, she's a natural hair blogger. But then the natural hair community with the colorism, mm. it became very no, sensitive because people, yeah, people were like, you don't have the right to take, you know, to be at the forefront of the natural mm. hair movement because you've always technically had natural hair. This wasn't like a transition for you. You didn't have to not have a perm or relaxer. Like how skinny You're, people be selling a tummy tea and it's like, you ain't never had no tummy. Right, what like you, you ain't never worked out in your life. Um, but, you know, people started kind of ganging up on me about the colorism aspect. And while I understood it, because it's true, the light-skinned, curly-haired girls that look like Tracy Ellis Ross will mm-hmm. get the hair deals before someone with, an, with Afro-textured mm-hmm. hair, you know, in the 4C, 4B, 4A range totally get it no one's denying that but i felt weird that people were mad at me when i wasn't out here saying like that i was the cause yeah like i wasn't saying i was the queen of natural hair or nothing i was literally in my little wellness corner on youtube happened to talk about natural hair because i had curly hair and i wanted to show what i used so when people were like mad because i would end up on lists you know like on magazines like top 10 natural hair bloggers and i'm like yo i didn't ask them to put me (laughs) on that list like i just so happen to know what i was talking about yeah and if you think about it i've never even had a hair deal like Mm. i've never had a hair deal i've there's no natural hair brand that i aligned myself to it's always been marriott or levi spotify you know like lifestyle based things because I never wanted to take that opportunity for anyone or try to be at the forefront. Because it's true, we all look alike at the forefront of the natural hair community. So being that I do come from, uh, you know, Haitian, Dominican, especially the Haitian, Dominican more so, because my Puerto Rican side is very white. They're very, very white. But the Afro-Dominican and Haitian, you know, I saw the colorism firsthand, like, how you guys seen it in the news, mm-hmm. like See, how the fights between it. Yeah, it's just, it's an all-out war about who's black and we're not black and you're not technically black. So then when people started questioning my blackness and my identity online, like I was telling the guys I just got an email this week, a lady who had initially, like in January, told me she was thankful for my presence um, in the black community because of the conversations that I contributed and the work to try to, like, unify us and make us healthier, whether it's mentally or through nutrition or just even these conversations like epigenetics, you know. She was, like, so thankful and great, and she was like, I wish you much success. Cut to last week, I guess the success, she don't like it no more. (laughs) She changed her mind because now she sent me an email saying that she's uncomfortable with the fact that I'm at the forefront of all of these campaigns and getting all these things and taking black women's spots. And I was like, what? It just happened because she got that express email. She opened it and got mad. She was like, oh, hell no. You know, so it kind of, it shocked me. because, And then the part that I hate the most is when someone knocks you and then they say, I love you, though, and I love the work no, you're don't. doing. No, you it's like, no, well, don't. what? How do you love me if you wanted my day That's to start love. off with your email attacking me? When, number one, how can you question my blackness when anyone who knows their history knows, and I actually saw a meme that said it the other day, the only difference between us is a freaking boat stop. Mm. like legit like you have to know your history like the only difference is that the boat the boat my family was on went towards the Caribbean you know what I mean and the and the boat that your family was on came this way and you just ended up in our country 
a little faster than I did. So for you to be mad at me, especially when I'm someone who is trying to work hard to help Dominicans see that you are black, you know, and stop being disrespectful you to each other. Just, please please, please say, say that. Stop that again. mistreating Haitians. We share an island. Like y'all the same people. Yeah, like Believe I saw. Or not, y'all I've the same seen peoples. my grandfather suffer, um, and and his life where he for a long time, yo, we didn't even know he was Haitian. We used to crack jokes and say my grandfather was Haitian on the low because he Damn. would be speaking patois in French, and he had like this crew of Haitian friends, but then like. He would say he was Dominican. We were like, bro, what Dominican person looks like you and speaks French and has Haitian friends? Like, <laughs> right. that would never happen. Dominicans don't like Haitians. I mean, everyone knows that. So it was like True. a joke where we would like like say it kind of like bashing him. And I'm going to be honest, when I was little, that was funny to us to call him Haitian. But then it turns out he was Haitian. <laughs> and that was like... Oh shit, we're Haitian. Like I remember all my cousins. We were like, Busted yo, I would have we grew up out. making fun. And we <laughs> I wish I could have been there for that moment. That's mo- yo. Self-hate. Talk about that's a talent. Self- yo, self-hate like a motherfucker. When you're all like, wait, 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 <laughs> wait. The the gag way. is. That's like the Dave Chappelle skit. The black white guy. Remember the Dave Chappelle skit with the blonde? Oh yeah, he he spontaneously blew up. The black red, the black clansman. Yeah. Yo, so that shit, yo, otherwise. that shit fucked us <laughs> up. But I, Damn. because I, um, being younger, I can honestly, honestly say in my family, I had always intuitively been connected to the Afro part of our culture. Since I was little, like, my mom would put me in, like, African dance troops, and my cousins would laugh. They'd be like, you African booty scratcher. You know what I mean? Why you like that shit? And (laughs) it was, like, a joke. And even in college, like, my college friends will tell you, this black identity is not something I took on online as a gimmick to take anybody's place or role or to fit in with what was popular. I lived in the African Heritage House in college. <laughs> like, literally, yes. my friends will tell you I lived in the African... I was that Dominican, Puerto Rican, Haitian girl from the islands who always felt connected intuitively to my ancestors. And everything, even when I lived in Brazil, I went to study the candomblé, you know, which is the African religious roots that Brazil shares. Like, I've always been drawn to figuring out why are we so, why do we view these cultures so separate? Like, you know, is this, like, why are we, just because I'm from, yeah, why, because I'm from the Caribbean and you're American. And then even even the African students in college did not fuck with us. I was literally just thinking about the Africans. They did not fuck with us. Oh, you're American, so yeah. Oh, you're black? So it was like this. I'm African, get out of here. Yeah, so it was like a three-point division. The Caribbean students, the African students, the American students. Like, come on, it's just so corny because at the end of the day, What's the difference? There's no difference. I, I think some. I don't know how much y'all had to deal with this, but I got called white a lot. Oh, oh what? yes, yeah, like especially co- by white my own girl, family. You talk white, yeah. or go with your white friends, or go get the white boyfriend. And the, you always. talk white was always because once white I started when I started private school, I was in like I said in fifth grade, and I was super hood Harlem. But you know, after a while, a couple years of being in private school, you're the only kid of color all these white kids and then teachers correcting you and trying to make you feel like you speak hood, you know, and being like enunciate and Mm -hmm. say this properly. And, you know, and by the time I got to high school, 
I sounded, quote unquote, like a white girl. My family, oh, they used to make fun of me so much. See, I wonder, because of that, I learned how to code switch really easy. And I don't know if I learned that because of my peoples or because of the white folks. Like, I don't know anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. And that's the problem. That's the problem. And honestly, I think it was my own community that made fun of me more. See, I was like you. I did a lot of acting when I was, you know, all through elementary, through high school, everything, even in college. And so, you know, in acting, they teach you not to have an accent. So mm-hmm. I grew up right. in Houston, you know, without a Houston accent. I'm a super dork. And so people would just be like, oh, you're white, you know, straight up and down. And I think that's why to this day, like, I'm definitely, you know, very proud. Like, everyone who knows me, I've been to Africa several times. I believe in, you know, Africa. I believe in the power of black people, of Moorish people, et cetera. But... I'm also very much about the human race, and I really don't have time for, like, divisions amongst race because, I mean, if you really get into it— Are you telling us your all lives matter? No, (laughs) fuck no. Fuck no. No. I'm the exact opposite of that shit. (laughs) But but I do believe that race is a construct of slavery, and I believe race is a construct of, you know, like, of white people needing to distinguish people to— say okay so to separate and keep us down you know because before it's just one race and then you know someone comes along and says you guys are black when they're the minority in the world and then they make it where you know we become minorities and each person is separated like haitians dominicans and that makes us minorities instead of being a majority and so i'm a big person of the human race but that whole all lives matter, no, fuck no. <laughs> fuck, and, yeah. And, and one of the, the big things that came into play, a lot of sounding white came from black always being so bad. So yes. it's like, all the right, so yeah. you're, you're black, that's bad. Oh, but you talk white. All right, so that black kid talks white, we can at least have that one. Yeah. But I think now as we're older and we have so many black people that, so many different types of black, and we realize it's literally just the color of your skin, your heritage. Like, you know, everything else is really, you know, what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You can be black and you can be an astronaut. You can be black and you can be this and that. You don't have to be a black person that talks white. You can just be a black person that speaks regular, yeah. you know, to wherever you are. When I was young, to me, I just spoke regular, you know, in second and third grade. Yeah. And then it was reinforced to me like, oh, you speak different yeah. than any of the other nigger children I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Nigger children, yeah. oh my God. Like, you've been hanging around die. us a and lot. And then they would try to create, because I know one thing I went through, with being quote-unquote intelligent and being articulate was that they would create a a division even within that. Yes. Like, I remember the white teachers putting me up against a wall, like, not a literal one, but they would figuratively, it was always this, like, yo, you're the smart one, so you go ahead and do this project. And then people start hating I you. I was just about to say, that's you're like, that, damn. That, that has to be one of the roots of that crabs in the barrel mentality, us always having to be turned against each other yes. in these young competitions and things. It's like, all right, we got the pick of the litter of black people here, and he's going to either, that's you know, exactly be the, the example. Problem. Like, Everybody fighting to be that one pick of the little litter black person, but not to just be, you know, black. Just to be regular and not to be just be smart and intelligent and, and know that that is regular, you yeah, know? Yeah, and, and that's what took me out of public school because it was that teacher that was like, you're going to get lost in the system if you stay in public school. You're too smart. We need to put you with the white kids. <laughs> oh, my god! Because the public school system can't be uh, right. fixed. Right, and so. they literally took me out of the hood and sent me to Upper East Side. and to put me you in a, Yeah, to have me whitewashed so that I can, quote-unquote, survive in the world. And I had to, you know, assimilate and kind of shed my hoodness and... 
that was really difficult, you know, because I was so uncomfortable. I remember crying every day because I was like, these white kids, like, I don't connect to them at all, yeah. you know. And then I had to catch up, like, because obviously public school education and private school was, like, years apart, you know. So that was, like, a mind fuck. And that's why then when you do enter spaces with your own people later on and then they're still against you, you know, and you're like, dude... I'm just trying to figure out where I fit. Like, please, you know, like, can we... And, you know, and with the whole beauty thing, colorism, I understand, like, even with the email that the lady sent, even though I think it was absolutely ridiculous because she flip-flopped from one year to the next. But, you know, I do understand this whole idea of the one-drop rule and co-opting spaces. Mm -hmm. I do understand that. Like, you know, just because you're a little bit black, (laughs) you know what I mean? you're automatically allowed to take up a space. Uh, Whereas being white, they, it's not the same thing. You know what I mean? Nobody's a little bit white. You know? Well, and th- they were this- up until last Tuesday. And, <laughs> and now a lot of people are back to being not white. So, you know. They, oh, Tuesday, shout out to joining the crew. <laughs> <laughs> but I never want, you know, being that I am from the Caribbean, like... And with you, Tatiana, I think we can relate to this. Like, how do how do we unify ourselves? Where I'm like, listen, I'm not trying to co-opt a a black woman's space. And even that, like, what does that mean? What is a black woman's space? Right. Does that mean mm. that you're just an African American mm. woman that has like no mixture? Because all of us are mixed yeah. in different ways. So how do we decide what the percentage is, you know? And right. it just starts getting really complicated. Well, well, you know, one of the main things to, and I think it's gotten better, but it's not completely disappeared. I don't think it ever will completely disappear, that division and all that stuff. But I think one of the biggest things that we have to do in order to change the narrative and be able to change the definitions is to take over. Take over economically. Take over socially. Take over politically. Because I, I, I honestly do not believe that until we get to that space where we are the gatekeepers, we are the key holders, or whatever word or euphemism you want to use, we're not going to be able to better define and represent for us. When we're in the space we're where we're fighting for slots. Right. And that's what and that's and exactly that's what it is. We're fighting for slots that were made by other people yes. that are that do not apply to us whatsoever. Mm. We talk about that all the time. You're not black people are not a monolith. Black people are every color, every hue, all that stuff. My thing is until we're at a place where we control the board, you can't change things as you can change things but to a certain degree. Because you always at the end of the day, someone has to go talk to Massa and say, Okay, well, would you give me permission to do this? Like right. I feel like we have to continue to keep pushing towards that direction. And when we get there, or when or we're, as we're going towards there, we'll be able to, and it's happening now, we'll be able to say, this is our space. Like, if we want to do natural hair, there's natural hair for all natural hair types. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For black girls or whatever. There is, if you want to be into tech or you want to be a geek, you can do that and be black and be Dominican and be all that stuff. And and that's what I really think about it. I just think that the people who control the slots and the spaces, that's I'm what making it is harder making it for harder. us, right? Yeah. Cuz even I saw there was an argument online um about the Black Lives Matter movement, which DeRay doesn't even head. So no you know, one heads that, it. There is yeah, no like, head of Black Lives Matter. I, but you know how making all the money then. That's but you know how the doing. internet just mashes us all together. Ain't nobody making money to believe you. Somebody somewhere, but, but we that's don't not know who. That, <laughs> <laughs> somebody, but but, but that's, I not, saw, that's not the point. I saw yeah. an argument saying that DeRay, um, 
should not be the head of the Black mm. Lives Matter movement because he's a gay man. Mm. What? Yeah, and that's, yes. yeah, that's the other part that fucking... And that's another division. We need to... And, and just as... Homophobia in the black community, y'all, please. <sighs> oh, my please. God. And, that's an, as, and then I saw a black... lot of people agreeing because they were saying, you know, it's the emasculation of no. the black man. First of man. all, he works for the, the, the Board of Education in Baltimore now. That's how he makes his money. He has never made money from being the quote-unquote head of Black Lives Matter. Like, that, okay. We as people just really need to redefine things as they happen to us. Like, imagine you have been sitting here, Doraley's Black Lives Matter, he's cool, and then you just hear he's gay. Why does that make you say, nah, he can't do that? Like, I really wish people would stop like and take that moment. The work. Exactly. If, as a homophobic person, what is it about homophobia that really takes you? Like, like really just go through these things as they happen in each moment. Because then you'll see that these things are not related in a lot of areas. <clears throat> as, bl- as black lives matter, black lives just because he's gay doesn't mean oh he ain't doing shit for for the niggas out here yeah his gay ass he ain't doing nothing fighting literally for every black life that we have all been i don't want to do this i'm sorry but i just really wish oh absolutely absolutely but it just really needs to be a situation in a lot of areas and instances where people have to stop and say what does this mean to me whether it's homophobia whether it's trans whether it's you know race anything it can be socioeconomic status it can be all of that you know why do you discriminate in these instances is it something that could have happened to you while you were younger is it something like just these things might not be related your opinion might not be related to what the actual problem is someone made a point on they were showing how the votes in the nation like how people went People who voted, like, with this whole fear mentality, you know, bought into whatever that motherfucker was selling, are people who don't meet people. You know, they only know their own kind. So they they have no idea what it's like. So they don't—and we talk about this a lot on Fan Bros Show, how we talk about if they don't see you as heroes, they don't see you as a human. And I also go even further. If they don't know you, they won't see you as human. And it's like people don't, you know, people don't know gay people. They don't know lesbians. They don't know black people. They don't know this person. They don't know that person. So they have a fear of them because they only know it and what they know through the media, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. So it's like get to know people because that's always my thing. It's like once you know someone, you're going to understand that people are just people. Everybody's trying to make it in this world. You know, we all, that's what I talk about, the human race. We all have to live here. There's nowhere else you can go. So, like, you got to learn to live with people. And once you get to know people who are not like the people you grew up with or the people who you surround yourself with all the time, you're going to see people as human. And you're gonna, those hateful ways are going to just seem, like, kind of stupid, you know, after a mm-hmm. minute. But, see, not only that, we, particularly in the U.S., it's a society where the construct of so- the social construct is all about there's them and then there's the other. Yeah. And that mentality and that teaching and that education for across the board, regardless of your color, that idea of the other, because as we already talked about, there is uh, uh, internalized racism too. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah. We uphold white supremacy more than white people. That other coupled with white supremacy, that honestly, again, until we, and, and what, like, Fran, you're doing it. Y'all doing it. Asante, you and Dustin, you're doing it. Where you're creating safe spaces. You're creating these for these conversations. Yeah, for these conversations. But also, there needs to be safe spaces in other areas where we can be in control of the narrative, be in control of us. Like really, because as as long as we're in this society where we're where there's no movement anywhere else, we're not gonna like get past this. And I don't think again, I don't think we're ever gonna get past this. I just think, like, I don't think that the last races on Earth is going to die in 50 years. It's not going to happen. Yeah. 
So like, I, uh, I mean, maybe not fifty years, but a hundred years. Yeah, like, I mean, you you know, there like I said, but there's only this one planet. You know, there's only and people are getting closer. Technology brings humans together closer, but it'll never be the end. Because I feel like from because humanity and imperfect being, there's always gonna be something. Something. There's always, always. gonna be something. I'm not saying it's not gonna get better. I feel like there's always gonna be something. It's a lack of education, and it's laziness on behalf of parents. That's exactly what it is. Right now, you're watching kids walk out of high schools. You're watching other kids in middle school chanting, build the wall, and Mm -hmm. chanting that he's going to deport people because they think that this is funny and and, um, cute or whatever. And it's sad because nobody has taken the time to teach them about racism and about the history of racism in America. They know that it's wrong to be racist. It's something that that people, I believe, have told their children, well, it's wrong to be racist. Don't do that. Don't say it that way. But nobody's taught them the history of racism in America. Nobody's shown them pictures, taught them, told them stories and shit. See, we were taught because we're black and because our parents, gave, our parents specifically cared enough to teach us about that. I've had conversations with my grandparents, with all sorts of people about it, so I know it firsthand and I've experienced it. But people are lazy. They're not teaching their children about this, and it's so sad. And that's why we ended up with Donald Trump winning that election. That's why you end up with all of these experiences of people in these college campuses and at high schools leaving racist graffiti in the bathroom stalls. All that is coming because their parents didn't do their job. And if you have children, you have an obligation to teach them and prepare them to live in this world. And teaching them about racism is part of that. It just is. And so if you motherfuckers don't start doing it, we're going to be prepared to deal with this all over again because those same kids that were chanting, those same kids that are in those high schools, they're voting in the next election. And when you think about it like that, it puts it in perspective. You got to do the work. If you can get your hands on somebody young, tell them what's up and teach them. And even us assuming that, you know, it was the backwoods, uneducated white people that were going to come out and vote for Trump. But it was college it's a lot more than that. It was the working class, and, like, and even someone across made a, the board. Someone made an argument that just by quoting or saying that idea of the backwoods, redneck, whatever, you're you're continuing to perpetuate their, their quote-unquote hatred towards everybody else because they're the people who have been, in their eyes, they've been marginalized. Mm-hmm. And they, they look at, I did, they I look did at watch Stump that on the news. as a savior. I so. was watching Bill Maher, and right. they had someone from the South, and he was saying, you know... The liberal redneck. Yeah, you yeah. saw him. He was saying, which I was fascinated by because he really felt like his people were <laughs> marginalized. He was like, you like guys Moses, like, think you we're to, stupid though. and backwards. And, you know, and, and, you know, he was like, you weren't taught, like, no uh, candidate was talking to my people. Yeah. He kept saying it, like, my people. And that was the issue, you know, and you guys make us feel like we're these idiots that don't read and don't know how to write and are living like in shacks and he was just like really emotional and angry about it. That's why it was like I thought the best that uh, Saturday Night Live did this year was when they had Tom Hanks on the Black Jeopardy and <laughs> it showed like the poor like because I'm from Texas you know I, I wasn't surprised that Tatiana will tell you I was not surprised by the victory because I grew up in middle America and I know like Dave said I know the whites and you got to know, like, there's a lot of them in this country. And when you live in a place like New York and Cali, you, you think that everywhere that. is like that. But yeah. it's not. And, uh, like, I hate when people, like, they'll tweet me now and they'll be like, oh, the rednecks won. I'm like, no, they didn't, dog. It's not even just rednecks. It is, there's a lot of people out there who have good jobs, who are working, mm-hmm. and voted for mm-hmm. Trump. And there's a lot of people, and when you say that people aren't marginalized, like, poor white people are marginalized just as much. Well, not just as much. 
they're the next level. But, you know, it's like they're marginalizing this country, too. And there's, you know, especially poor and rich are going further and further apart in this country. And there's a lot of poor white people out there who feel like there's no hope for them. And they felt like Obama wasn't helping them, you know, just like poor black people. A lot of poor black people felt the same way about Obama. So it's like when you get this dude and then you have Hillary on one side and this other dude on the other side, it just, you know, it wasn't really surprising to me. It was saddening, but not surprising. But that's something I got. I want to ask everybody here because since then it's been, you know, I know everybody's been feeling it. And as a geek and as this person of color, I feel like fuck, what now? You know, because I really feel like this election proved to me that there's just a huge divide. And it feels like sometimes what we're doing with fan rolls and stuff is that we're, like, beating against a wall. Mm. And we don't, you know, it's like this wall just suddenly really was, like, turned around and said, fuck you. Well, I mean, that's why I wanted to have this conversation because I feel like... Like what we were saying at the top of this episode, the country showed the the real division, <laughs> which is blacks against whites. Like that's just it was clear as day. And now, instead, I personally and and I would love to know how you guys feel. I'm tired of trying to be accepted. I'm chi- I'm tired of trying to like look to white people to include me in spaces. I'm tired of trying to figure out how to finesse the gatekeepers and see where I fit. And then once you get that door, you open the door for everyone else and hope that we can all run in. It's like, I'm so tired of that narrative. You want to be the savior anymore? And No, it's like, <laughs> I'm just tired of that narrative. And I've been listening to a lot of like political analysts and black um, lawyers and different perspectives. And people were talking about how like we need to segregate. <laughs> like, And obviously the hippie <laughs> And me, yeah, I know. It was, listen, oh, I've been I was reading. For the Marcus Garvey. Let's go back. No, I mean, I've, I've heard a couple podcasts uh, say that that's what too. I was waiting for. <laughs> Somebody's saying about starting to go fund me for black people so we can get the hell up out of here. But that's a whole Global other Wakanda. thing because what does that mean? Where would we go? And are you ready to give up your American privileges? But outside of that, uh, <laughs> right, it, no, that's a no, whole other conversation. I, I, I'm going to let y'all know, them, it, when you step out of this country, it's a different it's world a out different, there. Yes, that's and, what I'm saying. And people are like, let's go back to Africa. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean? I have never even been. Right. Yeah. Like, where would you go? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you and know? furthermore, all those, I didn't mean to cut you off because I don't think you were done with your point. Were it's you? okay. But I just these extreme conversations, the fact that we just talked for about 60 seconds, you know, about that, like about how it was far fetched to move outside of the country. The fact that people are even talking about it like that, it really kind of pisses me off because this is really, really serious. And if people don't wake up and realize that you have to do something to make all of this better, then we are really literally doomed. And I personally, this may be selfish, but I'm pissed off that it's happening during my lifetime. I am too. I'm pissed off. And it's not that I'm pissed off that something bad is happening. I'm pissed off that something bad is happening as a result of somebody else's fucking negligence. Right. That's what's pissing me off the most about this. Because this could have been prevented Yes, we were unhappy with both candidates being, but what you do, since one of them has to win, is you put your vote toward the best of the two Oh, I said that. Halls, I said right? that a million yeah. times. Exactly. Yeah. So all those people, and we could, I'm not no damn political strategist or anything like that, but one plus one equals two. 
And yeah. what I know for sure <laughs> is that all those people that were stupid and wrote Harambe and, and oh, Ghost and them and shit. 11,000 stupid. All oh that God. shit. Come on, man. All these people who voted for Donald Trump, I don't give... I, I respect everybody, and I respect everybody's everything, and that's the only disclaimer I'm an issue, right? You're 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 not a good person if you voted for someone who spewed out the things that he spewed out while he was running for the office of the presidency of the United States of America. Somebody that's the leader of the free world, somebody that's making decisions that will for sure impact our daily lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's not smart. It wasn't smart. Latinos. And so when you did oh, that, that was it 13 percent? 30. Oh, 30, right. 30%. 30%. When you did that, you set all of us back. And that's just real talk. It's so many points we could discuss. There's so many things we could highlight. But just in general, I can make the blanket statement that if you voted for Donald Trump, you literally set all of us back. And I'm so angry about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why I read, like, hearing the Latinos, because I saw in a couple of news segments they were asking them, like, why would you vote for Trump? You know, and they were just like, well, he's anti-establishment. Y'all and know he's going to hold, you know, he's going to bring jobs back. And I'm just like, no, yo, no, but no, this no. is the whole, you, boo. but this is why, like, we ourselves have this white supremacy so ingrained in us that we uphold it ourselves. Yeah. And that's what killed me listening to these Latinos from Latin America, from the Caribbean, you know, like just pushing his agenda situation. for him yeah. and not realizing that you are not going to opt into whiteness. Ever I don't care. In your life. I don't it's care how light you are, you, you are bro. You like, are still, what he said, you're still a Negro. Yeah, you know, that's right. if seeing, the if you're just a people, passing one and it's going to fade at some point. If seeing the Ku Klux Klan endorse Donald Trump, if seeing all of these people be blatantly, you know, boldly racist does not influence you. And, and seeing him be elected, right? Seeing all of this blatant racism, but seeing this support behind it. If that does not encourage you to answer your original question, Ben, which is what do we do now? If that doesn't encourage you to get better overall, then you are truly a lost cause. Seeing that should encourage you to strengthen yourself in every area of your life so that you can be prepared for whatever you have to do, whether it's navigating whatever new laws they put in place to stop you, be smart and savvy enough to understand the law and how it works and find a loophole for us to keep making it. Get yourself in physical shape so that you're not needing all of this, 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 unnecessary shit from the government. Get yourself in shape so that you can combat whatever you have to combat. Just get yourself better so that you can peak. Do it as a celebration of who you are. Yes, I'm black, so look how dope my black shit is. Because they hate that, and there's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do. They hate that. And seeing that map red, if that doesn't wake you up, then I literally don't want anything to do with you. And that's just me speaking for myself. To all my niggas in the whole wide world, <laughs> I think, uh, I'm not sure, but didn't we show up, black people show up to vote more this year yeah. than we did even black for Obama? Yeah, so, so just As kudos. Kudos, <laughs> kudos to black people, especially <laughs> black women, for holding it down. I think as we move forward as best we can, we as black people need to educate ourselves more and more. Yes. I mean, we've done a great job showing up for for this to vote, right? If we educate ourselves on the systems when where they start in our neighborhoods and keep going and just keep doing this for the future because we haven't had a chance to really sit down and tell each other we need to educate each other. Everybody's kind of been running around, picking up pieces and taking what they have and just going with it. That's why you have people like Dr. Omar. Uh, that's why you just have these people spitting like bits and pieces of what you need and not everything that you need. So if you get a bit and a piece of something, 
do some research on it before you want to repost and share. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just to give yourself that extra edge of knowing what the fuck you're talking about. So we can always all be out here talking about the right things and putting ourselves in the right places and the right spaces to help ourselves and each other. The more that we help ourselves, the better we can help each other because we need each other. Don't box each other out. Don't crabs in a barrel. Figure out if there's somebody that's going out for something that you want, figure out how you can work with them, if not for that, for the next thing. And that way the two of y'all can start picking people for the next thing or something like that. I just really want us to unify. And if it's through education, get yourself educated. If there's something that you don't know about and you want to know more about, find somebody that can help you. There, You have more than enough brothers and sisters out here to help you. You know what I'm saying? So I just want us all to educate each other, help each other as much as we can. And, hell, we do got to take better care of each other. So if y'all need a playlist... You know, while you're in the gym, okay, I got the tunes for you. Today's episode of The Friend Zone is brought to you by Bevel. We've, I'm going to read this ad and let y'all know the real, okay? Because we told y'all the dangers of multi-blade razors before. They often cause irritation and razor bumps that leave your skin much worse for wear. Hair removal creams, they might be worse. They're messy and they can leave you with burns and blotchy discoloration. Worst and they smell awful. But then there's Bevel. Bevel is dermatologist approved and proven to reduce razor bumps, discoloration, and irritation. Nine out of ten customers come back month to month to make sure they get in that Bevel blessing. The Bevel end-to-end shaving system includes a pre-shave oil, badger brush, safety razors, blades, shaving cream, and a cooling restoring balm. Ladies, don't think that the Bevel is just for the guys. You can use that razor to keep that box smooth and ready. <laughs> what? Trust me, beloved. You'll never want to use anything else. Snatch that cat back. What? No. Told y'all I was going to read this word for word. And just for the friends on listeners, <laughs> Bevel is letting you enjoy the first month of your subscription free. You heard that, friend? <laughs> to snatch that cat back. <laughs> just for the friends on listeners, Bevel is letting you enjoy the first month of your subscription for free. Make sure you go to getbevel.com slash friendzone and sign up today to enjoy that free month. That's G-E-T-B-E-V-E-L dot com slash friendzone. You'll never want to use anything again to snatch that cat back. Now let's get back to the show. So let's close this out. We have to unify whether you are a geek, whether you are whitewashed, whether you are mixed with a little bit of island, a lot of, a lot of not an island, wherever you're from. If you failed from, the brown paper bag test. If you failed it, if you passed it. If your parents was never slaves. If you're, L- <laughs> if you're LGBTQ. If, you know, all the different ways that we begin to divide ourselves where you are not the proper representative of, of, of black. You can't speak. You mm. can't run. You can't lead. Okay, fine. You guys win. But that map one even bigger. So let's think of the solutions. How do we unite with all of these co-opting conversations? How do we unite? How do we say, yes, you're right. Colorism is a real thing. Being co-opted is a real thing. But how do we come together so that we can protect our marginalized communities? I can tell you what I plan on doing to encourage unity I plan on being more considerate of everybody else's space. I plan on approaching everybody with a clean slate and and with love 
as opposed to my natural defenses that may be up sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity that I have, and I mean this, to help people of color um, that are deserving and, and that can do something with the opportunity. I'm doing everything in my power to help them. Um, I'm highlighting and celebrating accomplishments of people of color and just bringing visibility to the greatness of people of color because I have a, a, an inkling that we're about to see the opposite from the government. Mm. So that's yeah. what I plan on doing, whatever I can to make it better for people that are really about to get shitted on. That's what I plan on doing. I plan on, and, and it's actually something I've already started over the past weekend and, and it's continuing to build, building a coalition of people from different areas of education or different areas of, of the U.S. So again, political, economics, tech, all that stuff, finance. I want to bring a coalition of these people in order to do the education that you talked about, Asante. I mean, from the basics on up, what are the three branches of government? Mm -hmm. How does What's the difference between your local government versus the federal government? How does state laws affect whatever versus federal laws? All and that stuff important. that you're supposed to learn in quote-unquote civics class or whatever they call it now, like... That stuff, the, some people think it's basic, but it's not because it's too many of us that don't know that. Right. Right. A it's lot of people might have missed out on that, the, dealing with colorism issues there's, and a there's, plethora right. of things. You, you don't know for a variety of reasons. And but even the understanding the electoral college like and all those things. And vote. some people mm -hmm. were told this, but they don't really get it. Mm -hmm. So for what I'm going to do is help to build these coalitions, these spaces of these nexuses of power, if you will, and help that to actually disperse that education to people where it's needed whether or not that means it's probably going to mean a combination of digital and analog something happening online and something happening in the real world where we can have a place where you can go and get this knowledge you can go and and if someone says every tuesday we're going to talk about finance everyone knows you can go to xyz place and get that information and be a better people and be in a position where we can start demanding things happen and make stuff happen find them loopholes that y'all was talking about earlier because now you understand the system until you understand the system you can't make any changes to it so that's what i plan on doing nice you know what and the thing i was just saying this week too that i was um watching a documentary where they were saying the the bill to pass the popular vote so mm -hmm. that can, it can, like, veto the mm -hmm. Electoral College exists. Yeah, it does. It does. Only it's, it's 11 just... states are signed up. No, none of us know about it. We mm -hmm. haven't voted on it. So if someone can create a campaign around that, and even just for those non-voters, because a lot of people I know are like, voting doesn't matter, doesn't count, doesn't mean anything. This is all an illusion of, of choice, which I kind of agree with but i'm also someone that while i have my conspiracy theories i also went out and voted because i'm like if i'm wrong thank you, you want to yes. right yep. you know what i mean yes. like i might have my theories about all this being bullshit which i totally think it is because i think politicians are puppets but they if are. i'm wrong my vote was Still there voting. Yeah. <laughs> and that to me you can do both and that to me is how I rocked it. So I think a campaign teaching people about the popular vote so that we can get that fixed because it's an archaic system. Yes. That would be amazing. So I was, I'm glad that you're, you know, spearheading that movement. And for me, I know my lane. My lane is wellness. And I, these conversations, these topics that we choose on the friend zone, my tour that's happening all of 2017 that is helping women my, you know, my weak spot, my heart always goes out to women of color because um, I understand how marginalized we are. I understand how much we shoulder, even within our own families, within the corporate world. I mean, in every realm of life, we're, we're constantly marginalized. You know what I mean? So 
that's where my heart goes out to and that's the work that I'm doing and you know, I'm not trying to co-opt any spaces or be the representative of blackness or mixedness or nothing. I'm literally just trying to be a great human and the best version of myself possible. And I want to help um, my communities, you know, break through this crab in a barrel mentality that we have because it is very it's obvious, it's evident, like with that map, <laughs> that it's this fighting for slots and fighting for jobs and fighting for um, opportunity and all these things that pin us against each other and have us so nervous. And even the epigenetics, you know, when people were bringing up the slave trade, like mm -hmm. there's so much that we have even genetically at this point in our DNA, mentally, emotionally. So many things are taking a toll on us on a daily basis. So I understand why we turn on each other and fight and figure out, well, who's representing what? And you can't represent me. And I will continue to study my plant medicine <laughs> to make sure that our nervous system. Okay, poison ivy. You know? <laughs> me too, friend. Okay. <laughs> I study my plant medicine. <laughs> I'll continue studying, you know, reading my books on mental health. So regardless of what... Um, side of blackness or whatever part of the spectrum you see yourself in like Dustin said I want to respect everyone's spaces but I also want us to just be healthy and stop fighting each other because it is pointless yep. you no know it's no pointless at, especially at this point it is so pointless like we got to worry about healthcare. We got to worry about our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and what's going to happen with them. Yes. Now, you know, like, we got to worry about, about, about our sisters alive. staying alive. We got to worry about our sisters. There's our just, immigrant <coughs> family members. The, like, you know, I mean, it's just too much. That's major for me. I'm so sorry. Go ahead, I don't go ahead. to cut you off, but that's scary for me. I live in New York City now. I'm very close with a lot of people of different yeah, races, cultures, family. whatever. And the thought of that. Of deportation. Yeah, I mean, I, there's like, so many issues that we have to face. So I'm going to keep cutting into my wellness side of it and learning as much as I can and being more and more of a resource to myself and to everyone else. So that's my goal. What about you, DJ? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we go. I plan to stay alive. No, um, I don't okay. know. That's I mean, that's, that's real plan. shit. Step yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> and like Dustin said, I think, you know, one of the big things is first is like physical health and taking care of yourself and mental health that goes along with that. And I think that's something like I'm always about this. A lot of people who follow me on Twitter, you know, DJ Ben, I mean, no, I like, like I said this earlier, I like to project positivity. Even when I myself, I'm not feeling it. You know, I just feel like just putting that energy out there and just being positive and always remembering that, you know, everyone is going through things in life. And, you know, this world is hard on all of us, and you never know what someone is really going through. So I like to just, you know, give out positive energy and just, you know, make people feel love all the time because it's rough out here. And we are, you know, we just went through this election that really centralized and normalized fear and hate. And it's really disturbing to me. You know, like I said, I grew up in Texas, so I grew up with overt racism. But to see it, sexism, everything. I mean, you know, homophobia, whatever you want to call it. I grew up in the Southern Bible Belt, so it was weird. But to see just the, it become so normalized is so disturbing to me. Like, to see the way that women have been, like, objectified and just, oh, God, like, demonized even. It's so, 
insane. And especially in geek culture, there's a real backlash against women, against people of color. It feels like what this election did kind of was like show what was going on in geek culture to the rest of the nation. Because it's like this, <laughs> like it's sad, but this is what I'd already seen so much of. I'd already seen the angry white man so like much. The government's a bunch of geeks. Yeah, the government, no, the government isn't the geeks. The government is like, well, yeah, the government's like the old geeks. It's like there's these the old, old geeks, the, the old comic book guy, you know, so Simpsons comic book Yeah, the book old guy, comic book guy, that, that's the government. Yeah. And that's the people who supported this. And I'm just my my main goal, like it always like is. The people is, that was mad that Rue was black, them people. Oh yeah. All them. Like mm. my main goal is always just to spread love. You know, like we do, we do fan bro show. It's for all nerds, and we want to be inclusive as possible. Like we say on the show, inclusion is revolution, and we believe that fully. Like yes, the yeah, more yeah. you include people, the more that people are like just by being in the space by existing. That's what I mean by staying alive. And like Tatiana talked about this on the show last week. Like, just by staying alive and spreading your light and shining your light out to the world, you are causing revolution. And, like, one mantra I live by is from Mr. Robot, where it's like, and it's hard. It's hard for me to live up to this dog, especially in the last week or so, but it's like changing the world takes time, you know, and not everyone has the stomach for it. It's a very slow process. It happens day by day, inch by inch. And so sometimes when you're even in the middle of working there, you don't see the effect you're having. Like, and I know that from being on Fanbro, so that when we get these emails, sometimes I'm just like, oh, shit, because I had no idea we were affecting people like that. Because yeah. you see this world and you see, you know, 50, well, it's actually only 25% of America vote for Trump. And you're just like, what are we doing? But at the same time, when you see the reaction from people who love you and, like, when you're spreading that love and showing that love to people, it comes back to you. So I just want to encourage people mm. just to be more loving, be more positive. I know it's tough out there. I know it's hard. But, you know, there's others like you. And there's, like we always say, there's more of us than there are of them. Yes. And so you've got to reach out and project that energy and it'll come back to you. So that's all I do. And, you know. I write children's books. The world is yours. <laughs> Book.com. <laughs> it's a really positive book, man. It's dope. Check it out. Asante? Um, for me, I just want to continue to connect as many creatives as possible. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've always had trouble expressing myself, so I've always kind of gravitated towards other people that I feel like kind of deal with that. And I've I've always tried to be like a liaison, if, if not, to make people understand each other. Like, hey, here's someone that's kind of like you. Y'all should get together. Y'all can make some magic. And people from there kind of grow into these, like, beautiful things. And it hasn't... I don't think I've, you know, done had that happen to me as of yet, which is not a big thing. It's not like I'm out here saying, oh, I wish somebody would come glow me up. Like, I'm not trying to glow anybody up, but I feel like we're missing this sense of, like, Community. I don't know. Yeah, where you just want good things to happen for other people regardless of what's going on with you. I could be having a really shitty day, but I was still trying to make sure I bring out some strawberries or something sometimes because I know the other weeks I could be crummy as fuck, you know? So I, it'll be that one thing to try to reset. But I think people don't take the time to say, hey, you know, we need like a good reset. You know, whether it's going to be of this experience because black people will go to a place and be turned off from it that one time and never go back. You know, white people will keep going back and complaining and support that monster. Black businesses sometimes are super imperfect. I feel like if we each took that time to really support two or three black businesses, even for the year, you know, I've decided I'm strictly buying my soap and oils from one company, and it's a black company. I feel like if we did those little things. Black economics, yeah. Yeah, like mm -hmm. just, just those little things will really help us along the way. So I just want to continue to be like a connector of sorts within our community. Like I, I feel like we all are 
missing that piece, and I want to be that piece sometimes to bridge those gaps. I love it. And mm. those of yeah, you listening, like I think that's the best way to go about it. What is your contribution? What are you passionate about, especially within your community, and how can you use that as a tool to help us strengthen up? Because we got to start thinking in terms of solutions. Yes. Because anything outside of that is just us being hamster on the wheel. Yeah. And I see a lot of people angry online and tweeting. They're going to tweet themselves to death. Yes. And it's like, I understand that we have to vent and you have to feel what you feel. You have more than the right to do so because this is scary. We're all worried. We're all anxious. No one's telling you you can't feel that way. But. We have to do something. Plan, y'all. Plan. Strategy. You know? Plan. Can I say so one plan. more? Let's plan keep these for the, the long game. Like, friend, right. okay? Can I say one more thing? No. no. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> we have to go, but if it's quick. Yeah, now real quick. I just wanted to say, because like what y'all were saying, I just think that there's a whole crab in a barrel mentality. So I just call for more unity, especially amongst like people like us, like Friend Zone, like Fan Bros Show, like yeah. the media. Like, we're like the underground media. And I really want to form a bigger coalition amongst that group so to control you know, our own narratives there it is so you know anyone out there if you hear this and you are part of this media hit me up let's talk because i really want to like get something going because where can they find you ben at dj ben hameen on twitter at fan show you know and tatiana where can they find you at tatiana king t-a-t-i-a-n-a-k-i-n-g and, yeah. and if they hear chico leo's spirit in the background where yeah. can they find him you can find him at at the chico leo Give him a shout. Tell him you love him. And we do love him. We miss yeah. him. Yes. Two Cheeks, this isn't the same without you. Damn straight. You would have offered some really good perspective on how you didn't have to deal with some of this. <laughs> or, or how you might have had to deal with some, you know, some other shit. I think oh, that would have been really something. dope. To oh, say. he got stuff. Yeah, he yeah. got stuff. Yeah, yeah. I know. He <laughs> but thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that this was helpful in some way. And as always, leave us comments and let us know what you think and how you are going to contribute for the greater good. Yeah. We Stay love you guys. And protect your man. See you guys next time. Peace out. Bye. I'm, I'm so happy I'm black. We're going to be all right. The Friend Zone this week has been brought to you by Talkspace. Now, I know we have a new president, and that's been real hard to really rush your understanding on. Oh, it's been so hard. So if you need someone to talk to... When you need someone to talk to... But you might not to, have the time to talk to them. Lord, we You can hit up Talkspace, and they have messaging. With Talkspace, you get unlimited messaging to your dedicated licensed therapist. You're going to need it. And it's only $32 a week. You got the money. You can schedule a live video session with your therapist right from your smartphone. FaceTime me that. So when you're done digging it down in the DMs, you can hit your therapist up afterwards. We're all for mental health and wellness here at the Friend Zone. And now you have access to an affordable, confidential and convenient method of therapy. Right there on your phone. That's right, right there on your phone. And if you're on a computer or from your phone, you can go to Talkspace.com zone for a special $30 discount off your first month. Or you can download the Talkspace app on the Apple or Android app store and use coupon code zone. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. 
Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.